Welcome back to the Talk and Chatter Experience, powered by Gasoline Alley Harley Davidson. Today's show, we've got Hugh and Siri, the man that dons the white overalls twice a year at the Dust Hustle events, amongst many other things. Welcome, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Who are you? Well, that is a uh, that's an excellent question. I would probably class myself as a uh, an average Joe, I guess, um, into anything with wheels and motors and that kind of stuff. Um, the online and marketing manager at Ellispeed. Uh, and uh, yeah, we also run the Dust Hustle events, which is where my white overall wearing comes in uh, <laughs> into picture. Uh, but other than that, yeah, just a, a bike and, and car enthusiast, I guess. Um, love riding, not particularly good at it, uh, but uh, just just love it and and uh, love connecting, I guess, with um, yeah, with other legends. So bringing sort of people together is, is um, yeah, a bit of a highlight for me. What, um, where did that automotive thing come in? Um, I don't know, actually. I think just when I was younger, I sort of was, yeah, was into cars. Um, my, my, like my, my family's not specifically into cars or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it was just something that I, I always just loved cars, I guess, when I was younger and, and always rode a BMX bike when I was younger. So it was just the cars and bikes thing, but it was mainly more, more cars. And then sort of probably as I got, um, a little bit older when I got into motorbikes because I um, hated pedaling up hills. Really? So I was like, how good when yeah. I was riding my BMX around all the time. I was like, how good would a motorbike be? Like yeah. ride up a hill, burn down the other side, you know? Like I just, that was literally, I was lazy. I was just like. So that was your thing that got you there was a motorbike. Because of that? Because of BMX, yeah, just from riding around as a kid. And, like, yeah. I was always out, like, after school with, you know, a bunch of mates in the in the local suburb. We'd all be riding around everywhere. So, um, I did, yeah, I didn't have motorbikes as a young kid or anything like that. Um, my, my cousin had a motorbike that lived in Cairns. Um, and I guess a combination of wanting to not pedal up hills um, and just thought they were cool. And then whenever we'd go up there on holidays because by this stage we were back in Brisbane. I lived in Cairns for 12 months when I was younger but had circled all the way back around and we were back in Brisbane by this stage when I was about eight or nine or something. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, we'd go up there and that was sort of my like closest, um, I guess, engagement with with motorbikes when I was younger um, was, was bikes that he had. Um, so, yes, that sort of got me into it, I guess. And then... Um, because we were, you know, just living in the in the suburbs, didn't necessarily have anywhere to ride and all that kind of things. I wanted one for ages, for ages, but um, you know, it was like, where are you going to ride it? And and yeah. I guess you know, like we weren't, you know, we weren't overflowing with cash, so yeah. it wasn't. It was like, um, you know, you can't have everything. So which which I think was good. Um, but yeah, then got to a point where, um, you know, I think one day, you know, after many years of pestering, Dad was like, "All right, you can get a motorbike," and it was like, yeah. "Yes!" It was like the best day of my life. But then he was like, "But you got to pay for it yourself." Oh, <laughs> so damn! <I> crash, <laughs> come crashing down again after that. So wow. um, that was around like when I was like thirteen or fourteen. So it was yep. like, "All right, start doing jobs, start saving, yep. um, saved up," and then yeah, when I was like fourteen, late fourteen or fifteen, I bought my. First bike with money I'd saved up. What was that? A big wheel KX80, 1993. Jeez, I'd love to have that now. Yeah, me too. That'd me be a too. weapon. So, and pretty much I wanted a KX because my cousin, yeah. um, when we were going up there, he had um, KXs as well. This was a few years later than that now. Yeah. Um, obviously, I bought a second hand one, but a few years earlier, he had like a brand new 
94 KX125, which still to this day I yeah. think are the best graphics ever yeah. uh, on a on a dirt bike and like I will own one of those at some stage. They are, that KX125, KX250. 250, that era, the anything best. in the mid-90s, early sure. mid-90s. Maybe not bikes. an RM. Oh, the RMs <laughs> had that sick leopard print. It's probably one of the only Suzuki's I'd own, but we'll get into that later. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Mate, KX80, um, they, they, like, yeah, KX80, 93, 94, yeah. 95, big wheel yeah. bikes. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. machines. So good. Because I was sort of at that stage where I was like 14, 15, I was in between 80 yep. and a 125. Yep. And obviously I hadn't done much riding. So, and KX100s were like unobtainable at that at yeah, that point in time, they did a KX100 for a while. That was sort of in between, but then they still did a big wheel 80 for some reason. Um, they just were just churning out models. That's a killer um, first bike. Yeah, yeah, like, it was yeah. it was awesome. Um, like it was a few years old by that stage. That was this would have been like 90, I don't know, 90, 80, 98 or something, yeah. 99. Um, no, after that even. Um, so it was a few years old, but it was still epic. Like I thought it was the fastest thing ever and yeah. I was just going to ride that thing for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, so and that was sort of, you know, I was into um, like I got that two-stroke bike because at that stage that's, yep. you know, no one was riding like farm bikes or no. four-strokes or whatever. It was just like if you were a little kid, you wanted a little two-stroke race bike and um, my mate um, Sam, one of my best mates, still mate to this day, like taught all of us mates at school to ride essentially because he lived in the suburb and was the only one with a bit of property and he's just the biggest legend in the whole world and just would yeah. invite us all over and let us ride all these bikes. Um, so, yeah, he essentially taught me to ride and he had a YZ125 and he was shorter than me so I don't even know how he used to ride that thing but I was like, you know, getting a two-stroke and then it yeah. wasn't going to be a Yamaha because I, you know, loved Kawasaki's from an early age. So Wow. And where KX. was this at? Where's the suburb for this? This is the, at the Gap in Brisbane. At the Gap. Yeah. Yep. So, so you're riding KX80s and YZ125s around the Gap? Around the Gap. We were most of the time we were at his place and then like, um, you know, every now and then you might venture out when you're in, at night time but um, yeah. most <laughs> of the time we stayed there. Yeah. And then, you know, like, and that's the thing, like probably at that stage, like, um, you know, it's just me and my dad and my sister. So every, you know, we try and con dad into taking a few of us kids riding at like a proper bike park. You know, that might happen like once a month. So you'd be flat out like being able to ride the thing, um, you know, properly like 12 times a year, you yeah, know, if right. you were lucky, if parents could take us, you know, yep. take us all. So, but we were just stoked to just have motorbikes because, you know, we were like suburban kids, you know, so we, yeah. no one really had motorbikes. So we were just lucky to, to have them at all, you know, granted whether they were paid from ourselves or not. So that's really cool. What, yeah. what was, uh, what was a ride park that would have been open then? Are you uh, talking, was Black Duck Valley open then? Black Duck, yeah. It would have been there. just at the start, I'm guessing. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, th I don't know if. Many a collarbone have been thrown away there. Yeah, luckily <laughs> not mine. Uh, Black Duck definitely was. Um, I don't know if uh, – see, I was young, so young, I, yep. I didn't know. Like yep. we'd just be like, take us riding and then all of a sudden you'd drive for a few hours yep. and you'd show up somewhere and you'd pay, you know, a bit of money out of, yep. your, out of your savings little money box and yep. you'd go riding. So I had no idea where it was. You wow, know, just go just, somewhere. Just go somewhere, yep. yeah. You didn't um, – like you couldn't really like – research places like you can these days, yeah. I guess. Like the, the guess the parents had to look it up or, yeah, you, you'd be lucky you'd see stuff in a magazine and be like, oh, we want to go to 
you'd see the little ad in the back mm. of the magazine or something. That's right. Australian dirt bike and that used to yeah. always have like a little... Ads for the places. So yeah, that's pretty tiny. much how you yeah. found out about it yeah, um, that's true. back then. And then you just furiously chat about it on MSN for weeks. Yeah. And or ha- ICQ. Or yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and just hassle your parents until someone, cool. someone's parents would take it. So yeah, the KX80 was the uh, the first bike and probably started my love for passion. Green, green machines. How long did you keep that for? Uh, I probably had that for... Um, maybe three or four years, like a fair while, like because I, I didn't really like grow out of mm. it. Well, I sort of grew out of it height wise, but I didn't really grow out of it skills wise because, yep. you know, I was I never really rode bikes as a kid, mm. so it was like even just that was more than enough for my skills wise to be able to ride around on for like quite a few years. And I wasn't yep. racing, like I was never, never a racer. Yep. Um, so it was just yeah, just putting around on that thing and just. You'd still hop. I think anyone would still hop on a KX60 or KX80, and just be th- thrown back by how fast they really oh, are. They're, yeah. they're for, for kids. They're lethal. They're zippy, yeah, especially they that era because they were. It was like you could have taken the throttle off and just put a light switch on there yeah, because it was, it was on like off. on or off. You, yep. you just there was nothing in between. So you learn a lot about power delivery mm. and the wheelbase was so short and probably worse when you're an adult now because you get on it, you sit on the rear guard. That's right. Cause you're and big, then you it? snap it on and the wheelbase is about 12 inches long. It's it's a real funny thing. Uh, I, everyone remembers with their first motorcycle ride, I yeah, feel. Yeah. Um, and they always remember the craziest sort of, like for me, uh, I think it was about nine, nine or 10 and I got to ride a KX60. Yep. And Death Machine. Yeah, just Death yeah. Machine. I was just and like, wow, this is awesome and this mm. is a kid's toy. Yeah. Not toy, but... I, I still think to this day, if I could fit on the damn thing, I think that it'd still be just as scary. Yeah, it would. Because I see the more. kids at like uh, North Brizzy and that. Yeah, hey, they hook on them. Like yeah. they're faster than a lot of people riding three fifties and five hundreds. Oh, if so, I went to a proper dirt track or motocross track, I've got no doubt kids on sixties would smoke. Oh, yeah, same here. Anywhere I go, <laughs> that's funny. So, <laughs> what was after that? Um, did you keep riding, or did you uh, have a bit of a hiatus? Well, after that, I was getting close to starting to save up for a car, and yep. there were other bikes in there, but I necessarily didn't have to own them, which worked out well because we had a few mates that had bikes. Um, there was a sort of a group CR125 that was floating around for a while from mm. another mate of ours, so um, that got ridden a lot, and then there was bikes getting borrowed here, there, and everywhere, mm. so... Um, there was always a few bikes around um, after I sold that and then it was getting to the point where I think, yeah, because I'd always been really into cars, I sort of was like, okay, and I knew I had to pay for it myself. Yep. It's getting to that point where I'm like, I want to get my license straight away. Yep. You know, I need to start saving for a car. So um, so you got into cars, like obviously as soon as you can get your license, yep. you're onto it. Yeah, and I was born in February, so I was like one of the first kids in our grade at school to yep. have a license and be driving to school. Good feeling. Yeah. What what date are you? I'm 10. 20th of Feb. Yeah, cool. Yep. Yeah, because I was the same grade 12. Yeah. First week of grade 12, you get your license. Yep. It's, um, yeah. It's it's the first sign of freedom. It is, so, yeah. First so, sign of wagging. That's right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and when you're like, I was uh, at school, like I probably... I think like I was probably a late bloomer. Yeah. And so I probably wasn't the biggest year 12 kid. Yep. So it was like I wasn't playing in the rugby team. I yep. wasn't like I think I finished playing. I played soccer for years and years and years, but I finished that in year 11. So um, getting a car first was like, yes, here's my – I get, get some cred back. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll get, get some cred, cred back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that was that was cool. What was the car? It. Uh, I looked at all these absolute – 
pieces of junk. And at that time, my dad was riding Jags. Uh, he had a few old Jags. So he'd bought this one, this uh, 71 XJ6, um, where he actually had a Series 2, uh, which I think was a 74, um, which was like the one that was his one. It was really nice. Um, but he had an issue with the motor in it. So he bought this 71 XJ6, pulled the motor out of it, mm. put it in his and then just had this – we had this shell there um, and he was just going to obviously turf the shell, took all the good bits off it and it was getting to a point where I was starting to look around at cars and he was like, look, you know, you can go and buy some little buzz box or yeah. you can buy this off me. You can buy the rolling shell and yeah. we'll go down to my mechanic and he'll tell you how much it'll cost to put a motor in it. Um, so I was like – so we went and did that and I think it was like – I think it was like four and a half grand I paid for this rolling shell XJ6. And you got a Jaguar as your first car. With, and with a motor in it, with a running straight six in it. Yeah. With twin SU carbs and all this. Very cool car. Yeah. Really cool car. Really cool. Yeah. Um, so that was my first car uh, was this 71 XJ6. Oh, mate. Um, imagine the trips in that. I'll tell you what, there was yeah. some trips in it. But at that stage, so driving that to school, mm. best thing ever. But then I realized that I had to maintain this image now is like, you know, this yep. little dweeb legend driving this Jag. <laughs> well, that, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I really quickly realized that a two-ton Jag with a three-speed auto gearbox mm. was just punishing on the fuel bill. Mm. Um, and I was working about eight hours a week at Bunnings by that stage. Yeah. Um, so literally it would, you know, Bunnings might as well transferred my pay straight to mobile or yeah. whoever would have a service. At least six to, to seven hours of that eight hours. Yeah, literally going to that. And I think the other hour was probably just my lunch on that shift or driving the car to the shift Damn. to pay for the fuel to then just drive around. Because they're always known as a thirsty, like great car. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great car? Is great car a good term to describe a Jaguar? Uh, everything was great about it except for the English Lucas Electrics. Electrics, yeah. yeah. Right. They had a few oil, oil leak sort of things every now. They and had as well. uh, anything English, I think. Part really parcels, cool. yeah. yeah. But so comfy to drive. Like yeah, I awesome. got spoiled with that thing. Like pile yeah. all the mates <laughs> in, and you drive to the coast, and the power <clears> steering <throat> on it, you would just like one finger on the highway, yeah. just like, you know, just steering this thing, and it would just cruise. That's awesome. And everyone would have felt like royalty. Yeah. All your mates sitting in it. They yeah. would have like literally felt like the royal family. Just a carload of little turds thinking yeah, they were way much. better than they were. <laughs> Elitist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only problem is it wasn't, you know, when you're that age, yep. you want to like be like chopping your mates all the time. Yeah. And it was slow. It was real slow. Really? Yeah. It's just too heavy. Yeah. A yeah. couple of ton. Yeah, you got a couple of ton and yep. obviously uh, worked uh, nearly 30 years old even at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, things are, are going to deteriorate a bit. Yeah, that was 0203 I graduated, so. Yeah, right. What do so, you uh Yeah. Yeah, okay. Graduated school. So what you uh what you do after that? So you went for the car scene for for a while, hey? So actually before <laughs> I even got that, that's where my sort of love for Japanese like I was already into Japanese bikes because everyone yeah. was. Um, but that's where it's sort of Around that same time is where my love of Japanese car and Japanese car culture and that sort of started because um, we'd all go into the library at lunchtime at school and watch um, videos and then all of a sudden this one video popped up mm. and it was about drifting and I had no idea what that was. Yeah, right. Um, just watched it and it was like a combination of like I'm sure everyone's seen this video. It was like a combination of like people drifting four-wheel drives in the snow and but spliced throughout that, there was a couple of actual Japanese sections with Japanese cars. And I think um, I liked obviously the look 
of what they were doing, like the driving just looked mm. out of control, but it also had this style about it. Um, and then like the aesthetic of the cars, like the look, you could tell straight away that that was a Japanese car that had yeah. been done in like a Japanese style of modification. Yeah. Like, But I didn't know that that's what I liked. I just sort of, you'd see it and I'd be like, oh, I like that. I didn't specifically know it was. Yeah. So... <clears throat> That was sort of brewing in the background um, while I had this Jag um, and I actually did like a few weddings and stuff with it. So like, you know, with, I was... With that car? With that Jag, yeah. yeah. So I, I finished school and I started picking up like some odd jobs doing like weddings. So it'd be like me and then like this 70-year-old guy, like some random who also had like a Jag or he had like a Daimler or whatever yeah. else and we'd be hanging out at the wedding. We'd look like father and grandson but they were just like always just <laughs> randoms. Um, and... Uh, and then, yeah, so the, the this sort of jag thing happened and then I was still like, oh, you know, the, the Japanese sort of um, culture, I, I guess, was sort of the interest in that was was growing a lot. So I was sort of starting to move towards that um, and then starting to, yeah, save money to, to, to try and buy a, a Japanese car after that. And, and what'd you get? I bought it at Holden Kingswood. Yeah, very Japanese. <laughs> so, so when I was on this path to yep. buy this Japanese yep. car, um, it got derailed because one of my dad's mates was had son had started doing up this Kingswood, this HZ, yep. this seventy seven, mm. and uh, had put. I was stepping stones because he put a Japanese motor in it, so he put a one J in this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, sweet, turbo Kingswood, this sounds, this is, this you know, going to be good. And this was like at a price where it was like half of what a you know, I wanted to buy a 180 SX at the time. So what were they? They were a uh, Supermotor, is that right? Uh, the Sora one J was a Supersora, yeah. Super the one J was the Sora and the two J was the Supra. Supermotor. Yeah. Yep. So this one had a one J in it, two point five litre straight six awesome motor. twin turbo. Yeah, really mm. good. Still good to this day. For sure. Um already converted to single turbo. Had been driving it around and then um So this is your second car? Yeah, pulled it all apart. Yeah. And same thing as the first one. Like I came to the party at this stage where here's this car. It's been sort of half stripped. You yep. can buy it as a project and finish it off. It was at the right price. So I thought this will be a great little interim project until I save enough to yep. buy the Japanese, <clears throat> buy the drift car. Um, so, yeah, bought this Kingswood, um, finished that off, did a bunch of interior stuff and, and you know, got it had no wiring and no computer and all this sort of other stuff. Yeah, right. So went through all that uh, rigmarole and got that thing um, on the road. Um and yeah, that was a really fun car because from the outside, it just looked, it was stock body. It really? had 14s on it. Um, it had like a three inch exhaust that was tucked right up near the diff. Yeah. So you couldn't see it. And it had, um, yeah, it was just, and it sounded like a really smooth 202. Wow. You know, yeah. like if, until it, boost. it got on boost, yeah. it had an external gate screamer pipe. Yeah. So until all that stuff That's started a tough happening. It was good because it was still on 14. So that mm. was probably when I started to l like enjoy doing skids. Like it wouldn't do a good skid around the corner, but it yep. would do a good power skid. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it had like a um, R154 manual box and it had this big one piece tail shaft and it had a Ford nine inch dip and all this other cool junk. Built well. That's yeah, a it was. Good, that's a good package. It was, yeah. it was so solid. This thing yep. would do, and it was still on 14s. So it would just peel 14s all yep. day long. Yeah. Um, so that was another big, heavy car though. Like yeah. um, I got to a point where I was starting to do skids in it and then um, legal ones. Of course. And then uh, was like, let's go drag racing, you know, like because you want to sort of 
see what it's like and see yep. what you can really because you can't really do anything on the street. Um, so yeah, started doing like testing tunes in it, and that was fun. Um, and I, I did a few skid pan days uh, in it as well. Was that good fun? Uh, no, well, the, the testing tunes were first. Yeah, um, that was fun. But then I got to a point where I started breaking stuff. Like you get to that point where you're like as fast as this thing can go, and you're yeah. just literally just thrashing the thing. Yep. Um, and I just couldn't get it off the line because it had like a button clutch. Mm-hmm. So like horrible setup for drag racing, button clutch. Um, heavy springs in the back because it had a tow bar on it at one stage in its life. Um, So it wouldn't squat and it had 14s um, and it had a six-cylinder turbo that now had a single on it by this stage. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, wouldn't go anywhere or if it was on boost when you launch, it would just spin the tires first, second, third. Just sit on the surface. It wouldn't actually hook down or nothing like that. No, no. So um, and then I got to this point where I just started doing just trying to do big burnouts in it at the drag strip and yeah. like fused the, you know, like the clutch to the flywheel and it broke both engine mounts and started right. to mess things up. Yep. Um, so by that stage I was like, all right, I'm not a drag racer anymore. Yep. Uh, I need to get back into this drifting thing yep. that was still. So I was like, I'll drift to Kingswood for a bit until I get this other one. So I went to a... Um, <clears throat> I looked on the forums, you know, as you do back in that oh, yeah. stage. I think I was like looking around. I thought I'll do a wet skid pan first rather than just tip myself yep. in a deep end, um, trying to grip this thing because the handbrake was non-existent. Yeah. yeah. So um, I went and I drove it up to Gympie and did a wet skid pan day with like Skylines Australia or something. So yep. it was me and my cousin. I dragged him out so I wouldn't be embarrassed by myself. Yep. And uh, he was in like an auto EA Falcon or something. Yeah. Um, Mikey, the absolute legend. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we went up there and there was just us two absolute idiots that could not drive and all these dudes in like R33s, which were pretty hot at that time oh, yeah. um, and V35 Skylines and we just pretty much embarrassed ourselves and yep. um, and then drove home. And, and after that, I was like, all right, sold. get something appropriate, yeah. get, get yourself. And But it worked out well because by that stage, I'd saved up enough money that I was in the market for like a 180 or a 200 SX, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd saved enough. So it sort of really opened my pool up because the yeah. 180s were a bit older, even at that stage. Um, and I just wanted to stock one mm-hmm. um, and they were getting harder and harder to find then. So this was like... What about now? Oh, you could you not get find a stock one now. It'd be no. not impossible. So, yep. um, so then, yeah, um, and just searched around for a while and then... Eventually, finally bought a S fourteen two hundred SX. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Wow, they're a machine too. Yeah, so that was an awesome car. Just stock, literally. The only thing that was modified was uh, it had a head unit. Um, what were they SR twenty or SR twenty? It was SR twenty. Yeah, SR twenty manual. Yeah. Um, and I literally had that for over ten years. Only sold it like four or five months ago. Oh really? Yeah. Is yeah. that the uh, purple one? The purple. So you had that the whole the time. The Shiraz baby. Yeah. So have you had three cars. Uh, At that point? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on to my fourth car now. Damn, that's pretty crazy yep. after all these years. Yeah. i got to ask you, what was – like you're obviously into cars and stuff. What was your formal car? Uh, what was my formal car? I think I drove myself in the Jag. In the Jag? Yeah. yeah. Good formal car. So yeah. Like your own car. Um, I think so. I can't really remember actually. Right. God, that's shocking, isn't it? I'm the same as you. Like I grew up loving anything with wheels, yeah. whatnot. My best mate and myself – we're in the like a 1953. Like we wanted a we wanted a tough Commodore, yeah, or a street machine, or yeah, yeah, something to do rolling burnouts to the formula, Hell basically. Yeah. And we got basically something that a shuttle the Queen in. 
Nice. And like he's he's like now he's a race he's one of the mechanics for Troy Bayless's race team. Yeah. Like we've both just grown up with bikes and cars mm. and fast things. And yep. yeah, here we are in this thing with a wine cooler up in the back of us. And what was it? I think it was a 1957 Rolls Royce or something. Oh, Very Rolls old. Royce. Like is it was pretty, a roller. It was yeah. primo, but for two motorsport nuts yeah. who thought we like we, we were reading trading post sports and performance every day at yeah. school yeah. and unique cars and everything yeah. to rock up in that that wasn't our dream and formal but um, no. partners at the time mate determined it and they I weren't was, real keen on having the windows open in a Commodore yeah and stuff, so. yeah the hair would have got all messed yeah. up I was just going to say the ladies at the form would have loved the roller though like that's oh, primo yeah, yeah. They would have just been putty in your. It's a good time. (laughs) It's a good time though, isn't it? Like it's a funny, Uh, funny time. Sort of like you're saying about the jag and that you've got. I've got to be this guy and that. No, you just don't know. You don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. So, um, yeah, I'm just lucky when I had that jag, and I'm just lucky that I never crashed the thing because it would have literally driven straight through a house like it was that solid. If I'd (laughs) run through, like it would have just. Yeah. If I'd hit one of my mates' little rubbish cars it would have just demolished it that's right and not had a dent on the jack yeah yeah Yeah. so that was the luckiest thing about it and like i probably would have impaled my face on the solid steering wheel as well so uh i'm not laughing been even worse looking than i am now i'm not laughing like oh man he's gonna have an impaled face yeah yeah they were were a weapon of a car Mm. they're just about bulletproof they were size yeah Yeah. that's why they were so freaking heavy yeah that's right so so S S fourteen. Yep. So I got the S fourteen. And you got um, into drifting. Got into drifting. Yeah. So I think around that stage. No, before that, I I had my I was starting to do more riding again as well. So I had a um, and I was like, not like I'm not a big guy at the moment. Um, and I was even smaller back then. And I think around the same time, I had a um, KLX six fifty R as oh, yeah. well. So the big old XR eater. Yeah. Um, so I was riding, flopping around the state forest with my mates with one of those things. Yep. My mates had WR400s and 426s with a, the oh, hot yeah. ticket, at, you know, around yep. what we could afford, I guess. Um, no one ever had new bikes. So, um, so yeah, we we'll finished the drifting thing. So, yeah, got the S14 yep. and then um, – and I think it's sort of like something that um, – it's sort of like – something that I do where like with the the Kingswood or whatever, like got it, you know, to, to fulfill something that I'd wanted to do for ages. And I think yep. that's that as you learn, as you get older, you're like, you know, just if you want to do something, just do it. You mm. know, like I got the car and then even then, like I didn't know anyone that drifting. I I had I did no friends that were into doing yep. burnouts. Um so I think it took me like twelve months before I went to a um skid pan day or something you yeah know? Right. and i'd wanted to do this since i was in school mm-hmm. um and you know looking back at it's now it's like you know there's things now that i always think about that i'm like if you want to do something just just do it man get like, out there get yeah. out there buy it go and do it you'll because as yeah. soon as i did it i met people yep. you know like you might not meet them on the first time but you meet them on the second time or you know and as long as you're not like the biggest yeah you know muppet ever um you're you, gonna meet you'll get a friend base you'll get a friend base yeah, yeah. and now like some of the best friends that I have I've met through drifting mm. um, and you know like I don't drift anymore but they're still like f- friends I'll have for the rest of my life so um, yeah so I started drifting um, just went to like you know entry level stuff first um, and and then I think I booked for like a you could do back at that stage you could do like learn how to drift days and stuff yeah, like right. that um, which is again an awesome thing to do 
in anything that you do, like actually yeah. get someone who knows what they're doing to teach you rather than just go out and start kicking clutches and yeah. ripping handbrakes left, right <laughs> and centre. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, started doing that and yeah. then just, just loved it. Started meeting people and, and um, yeah, was going to like, you know, it was all the money I had at that stage was going to just like obviously paying rent and um, yep. I wasn't drinking alcohol at that stage. Like I didn't, you know, wasn't a big drinker at all like because all throughout my teens when people were doing that stuff at school and all that kind of stuff, I was always like, I'm saving for my motorbike, I'm saving yep. for my car, I'm saving to put fuel in my car to drive mm. all of my crumb mates to parties. Yep. <laughs> no, they're actually legends. Um and then always just wanting stuff, saving yep. up for the next motorbike or saving up for the next car or saving up to go to a test and tune or whatever. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I was just I was just going to heaps of drift events. Um, and and really that's the only way I kind of like got all right at it because mm. I just drove so many events and I started with a stock car that was reliable. And one thing that I always like tell people to do, but a lot of people never do it, is like just gradually make changes. Mm. And I try and do that like with my motorbikes as well, because yeah. otherwise you just change all this stuff or you go straight for X hundred horsepower, yeah. um, and it just becomes too much. Like I just sort of tried to incrementally get better and improve the car as I was getting better. Um, you get lost, don't you? You do, yeah. And you yeah. don't. You start. You do all this stuff, and you don't know what's affecting what. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, I don't really even know how that sort of mindset came about. Probably because I couldn't afford mm. to to buy heaps of cool parts or big yep. turbos anyway. And I was always like, I'm not going to spend a fortune on tires. Like I'd rather do two events rather than one event. You know, yep. make a bit more smoke. Mm. So um, yeah, drifting. Like I'd still be doing it today if I was overflowing with cash. It's so good. Really, you're. I'd like love it. Man. Heavily into it. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Was good. it an expensive sport? Yeah. Yeah, tires obviously a huge hit. Tires, um, fuel and entry um, is not so much. It's mainly tires and then if like I was really lucky that car, I probably did 50 drift events in that car in my life and maybe more, maybe less. I don't know, like a lot and I drove two every one of them and I drove home from every one. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't a trailer Never queen? Never a trailer queen and it was yeah. like 50 mil off the ground for a good couple of years. Yeah, right. And like I was going through bash plates every six months on that thing because it was just wearing them out on the roads all over southeast Queensland. So was it a daily as well for you? It was my daily, yep. And your drift car. And my drift car had a lock diff and it was the daily and it would oh, people no. would think you were the biggest idiot when you went to the shops in it and it'd screech around on the yep. on the um, polished concrete. So you didn't do the Logan job and weld it. She was a proper lock diff. She was a I shimmed it. So sure? it was, okay. it was yep. like a step above a lock welded locker, but yep. it was a step down from like a proper two way yep. because I couldn't afford that. Yep. Um <clears throat> so that's still like that, you know, that was that real like lock diff was still that real like yeah, I feel like I got influenced when I had the Kingswood to be like a bit of an Aussie bogan sort of thing. Yeah. So I was like, no, nah, lock diff for life, you know. So <laughs> Mate, um, nothing like not nothing worse, but that car park sound. Hey, when people don't know what it is, you're pulling around in yeah, a car park. Yeah, the car's absolutely cooked. That's right. Yeah, it's like a Ducati pulling up. Here. Yes, <laughs> it is exactly so, to right. The un, right. untrained ear. Yeah, except not cool. when you've got a Ducati and that yep. happens to the trained ear, which is yep. usually someone who knows bikes or yep. has cash and they own a Ducati. They're like, this guy's got a racy Ducati. But yep. when you've got a lock diff in a Japanese yep. car, the only people you get respect from are probably like some, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute young deadbeats. <laughs> like if they're not your drift mates, they're yeah. probably like respect. 
Plus yep. also like, let's steal that dude's valve stem caps, <laughs> you know, when he goes to the shops. <laughs> I wonder if that still happens. Uh, I don't know. There's a real peak time in the culture of, of that. Well, that valve stem caps are yeah, huge. Yeah. You know the ones as well that they made them so you could do them up with a spanner for some reason and you'd like almost twist the, twist the rubber valve stem like right out of the tire. I don't really? know why they had a spanner on like it. a little nut, you know. For it the... makes no sense. Like it's uh, it's one of those things like I'm a griller on the tools. Yeah. So it's it's just the ideal thing to over-tension something. Oh. If you're going to do that, like it's ideal it makes no it. sense. So Maybe it's like, yeah, I don't know why they did it, but I don't know if people still steal valve stem Cause caps. Because it, it was really hard. Like I, I'd be more worried about my valve stem caps than like all the stuff in my car. Yeah. Pack, yeah. You know, mid-2000s. Oh. They always go. They were walking out the door. You'd be, you'd be <laughs> Putting them on as much as you're putting fuel in your car. Yeah, I wonder if they still. Yeah, I wonder if it's still a thing. Because yeah, that was serious. That was a serious, uh, a serious like local issue. Yeah, you should do a podcast with some little Grom and ask them. Yeah, I'm sure we'd find some. We're in the hub of Groms. Yeah, there's a few around. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, that's uh, um, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so drifting was awesome. Met some great people. Yep. Um, yeah, got to a point where um, was doing lots of yeah, lots of events and at um, Willowbank. Out at Willowbank, yeah, yep. at QR, I was doing stuff at, at Gympie and Archerfield and um, <clears throat> a few places around southeast Queensland. And, yep. um Yeah, got to a point where I was all right at it and I yep. was never really – kind of like motorbike riding, I was never really into like comp drifting or mm-hmm. like racing I guess would be the motor- motorcycle yep. equivalent. Um, I was more into like the doing it with mates – Yep. you know the free like the bit more expressive I guess it is with drifting because um, mm. there was a very different style same with that you see now with people who race and people who free ride yep. you know in terms of like motocross versus free riding for sure it was like that with drifting there was comp guys who would go to the drift and even on a practice day they'd be running comp lines and they'd be doing all that kind of thing and then mm-hmm. there was guys who were not comp drifters you could tell immediately by looking at their car because it wasn't set up for comp it was set up for drifting slash looking cool mm-hmm. um which is really important of course yeah. um and it was a different style of driving yep. um and that was what really attracted me because all the way back to those early videos that i'd seen mm-hmm. um that was like not comp drifting so it was about that style the expressive way people would drive with their car but also how they set up their car and how it looked mm-hmm. that was like something that really interested me um the, the aesthetic of, of drift cars, I guess, yep. and that whole Japanese culture around it. Mm. Um, and even though like it blew up around, you know, in that early 2000s in the in the States as well, it was always still um, the Japanese style was what I really liked and tried your... to sort of emphasize with my car and my mm. driving. You sort of try and copy something, I guess, like you do when you see people motorbike riding, you try and, you sure they try have and a copy a it. cool style or something. Yeah, and even if they don't. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I might try that. I try uh, that. No, that sucks. I don't. I don't know too much about drifting, mm. but is there like the race one where it's really come in sharp, hit the apex, and then you see the car full angle, full speed? Like, is is stylish one where you more say um, turn three at Willowbank where they do it there? Yep. Is that where you come around, hit it, hit it early, and just a really nice sort of slide around and not try and clip the apex each time? Or how how does that sort of work? Yeah, comp drifting is usually always and so. Is um, like I guess like freestyle drifting of what, yep. what we caught to make it cross over to motorbike stuff a bit easier. Um, comp drifting was always in pairs and it would just mm. be how close you could get to the car in front but yep. it was also a speed thing and there were certain clipping points that you'd have to hit. Right. So it was kind of like the run was predefined mm-hmm. and it was predefined literally where the car behind you would have to be to yep. get a a perfect follow run so yep. it was kind of like you could go to a comp and every single person at that comp was just trying to hit this one predefined 
comp line. Wow. Yeah. Um, and trying to go fast through it um, to obviously get away from the car behind them. Yep. Um, whereas if you had the same sex, you know, three, six corners um, at QR and it was just like a free day and you had all these, you know, dudes just drifting for yep. fun, the lines would be different. Um, yep. The way they drive together would be different. Um, the amount of like angle would probably be different because yep. they wouldn't care about necessarily going fast. They'd probably run wider lines at the start of a tandem or a train to let all their mates get up on the inside because that just looks killer. Yep. Um, you know, it was about, you know, what's going to actually look the best and mm. driving for, for that because it's a very judged visually judged sport yep. um, whether, when you're in the car doing it yourself but also when you're looking at it. Yeah, right. <clears throat> have mm. you been to any of the – they call it D1, don't they? In the States? Yeah, have you been to – Yeah, no, yeah no. no. And even when I went to Japan, I didn't um, go to any drift events. No. Um, Did you see any of their car culture though? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, a bit of car culture, a bit of yeah. motorbike culture, a bit of scooter culture. Uh, yeah, that's that's very um, yeah. very important in Japan, isn't it? It is. Big scooters, big mufflers, big lighting on them. Big sound system. Yeah. The, set, yeah. the big so horns. Big horns big on horns. them as well. Yeah, the Bozo style. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. trying to think of the name of that. Yeah. So, what, so what cars do you see in Japan? Um, not like not as much as you would think um, yeah. that you'd see online. So you do see them around um, and you do see bikes and that around, but you really have to like search them out. Mm. Um, and I think... Yeah, it's not as you know, it's not as prolific as you would think it is. Yep. Um, which was probably one of the things that I found mm. yeah, when I was over there. So, um, but yeah, awesome place. Like, can't wait to go back. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I went for a snow trip mainly, so that was yep. sort of the focus of that one. But I, I would love to do a driving holiday there, like like going to drift circuits, hot, you know, sure. hire a bike car and do a few events. What's the the f- like <clears throat> incredibly famous and it's um like the number one drift Japanese drift thing where they have the A86. What's the name of that famous road? Um, oh, the, oh, they play the video game and the movies. Uh, like a... Yeah, the white A86. Yeah, the Initial game. D is the... Initial D? Is the... Did, yeah. Like there's a there's Watch a road that that's that. mimicked off, isn't it? Yes, there is. Yeah. Did, I've did forgotten you, the name of it. Yeah, I'm just trying I to I didn't drive it. That would have been incredible. It was like a yeah, classic Japanese mountain road. Yeah, there's, um, there's a motor, motorcycle vlog came out uh, yeah. a, little, a little while ago. I was watching it and he went up there and, yeah, it, it looks like it looks like a video game. Yeah. 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 And all the lines and everything painted Everything's on the there. road. It's the yeah. same. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, did you did you get to that? Because obviously you watched a lot of the Japanese culture stuff. For yeah. That. Lots That's of something that would influence you a bit. Yeah. Yep. Mm, but no, I didn't get that, unfortunately. Still uh, on the to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once we can travel again. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. So, okay, so you've got that car. That's that's treated you through till basically now. Yeah. So the KLX. Yeah. That was in mid-2000s. Yeah. So and did I, you, I had that for quite a long time you too. Did? Yep. Yeah. I think my dad actually, my dad was not like, I think he had a scooter when he was younger. Yep. Um, Never really like likes triumphs, yep. um, but never had a motorbike when I was a kid. And yep. he sort of, I kind of bought that for him because I can't remember what I was probably yep. riding whatever else at the time. Or him and I, yep. we sort of bought it, and I think he rode it once. Really, <laughs> and, then, and then I just started riding it forever after that. Take over, so, um, yeah. But then I think when we sold it, yep. or when. When I sold it, like he got the money because I think it was essentially his bike. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I sort of inherited that and then just sort of rode it 
and yeah. wrote it forever and then sold it. Yeah, right. Um, so what did you get after that? Um, after that, oh, be, yeah, before that um, I had my – I bought an XS650, a 1974 oh, yeah. Yamaha. Yep. Um, because somehow I got into – uh, which I still am into parallel twins mm-hmm. um, motors, air-cooled parallel twins. Yep. And I loved, um, obviously, British did a whole heap of them and mm. I really liked them, but I was still yep. stuck in that Japanese fanboy of mm. cars and bikes. So the Yamaha was like the perfect one. And in the early 70s, Kenny Roberts was just dominating on, you know, flat tracks on a mm. on an XS650. Um, so that sort of whole look and that's all, that whole um, little era, I guess, really yep. um, appealed to me of that sort of converted road bike being ridden on the dirt, you know, that was sort of right when dirt bikes, were, you know, were specifically being made as dirt bikes, mm. not as converted road bikes. So, um, yeah, loved a parallel twin motor. So I was just, um, yeah, bought an XS before we sold the KLX. And and by the time we sold the KLX, I'd converted the XS into like a desert sled sort of oh, really? um, thing. Yeah. And I was riding that around um, on the road. It was registered. But then yeah. I would like ride up to the up to the sunny coast, um, up to Beerbone State Forest and just blast around up in there on that on the excess yeah yep. which was like at the time when you got off the klx it wasn't that heavy because that mm. thing was super heavy um and it was just way less suspension so it just meant i was just going slower over stuff um mm. but i wasn't that fast of a rider anyway so it didn't really matter so, so i was just having fun flopping around up there it's like all relative and yep. breaking stuff and yeah um <clears throat> And yeah, just having the best time ever. So um, I still have that bike too. Oh, do you? Yeah, I'll never sell that. That's that's yours. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Um, and that's like I'm. Um, that, I think that's why I keep bikes and cars for so long because I'm one of those people that um, attaches memories to physical objects. Same. And I think that's like borderline becoming a hoarder, um, yeah. which I'm not. But I don't hoard. But I feel like I'm like on the slippery slope to being <laughs> a hoarder. But I would only hoard like motorbike yep. parts and yeah. motorbikes yeah um not just like junk yeah yeah um, because all motorbike stuff is good stuff like we just learned about uh forty thousand dollars worth of arts and crafts yes that's hoarding that's like, hoarding apparently yeah. when you've got a uh, old holden you're building the arts and crafts around your holden. around the holden somewhat yeah. a mosaic it is yeah so. interesting yeah something deeply psychological about there that whole something really deep um i hope to get to that point in my life no 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 <laughs> no mosaic of motorbikes around a car or something. actually yeah that'd be pretty cool um so yeah i bought so the excess yeah um and that's um was yeah like that sort of was like a um I was getting to that age where you start to realize things when you get a bit older that are like important um, yep. things to you or something or times in your life or whatever. Um, and when I bought that, I was um, I it was in northern New South Wales and I'd found it. I don't know where I'd found it, and the, I think Trading Post might have still been going. I've had that for like eight mm. years, like a long time. That's one thing I do miss: Trading Post. Trading Post, yeah. Mm. We need to talk about that in a second. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so the excess, yeah, you get to that point in your life where um, things happen and you sort of realize that they're important, I guess. And yep. one of them was not necessarily buying that bike, but it was just that when I bought it, um, I, I, like, I said to my dad, like, let's go, I want to buy this bike. Will you come with me? It's in northern New South Wales. It'll take yep. us a whole day to get down there and back. Yep. Um, you know, this dude, he's going to sell it to me, but he's 
might not. Um, so we just need to go down there and, and just buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and he was just like, yep, let's go. I'll come with you. I'll put the trailer on. Let's drive down together. Yep. Um, and that's sort of, I guess, when you look, you get to that point where, and I was kind of like, oh, like he was just keen to do that. Like he's not mm-hmm. really into bikes, but he would just like come and do that with me. Yep. And that was sort of something where growing up, like, yeah, we'd hassle him to to go and ride mm. um, and he'd just take us, you know, and he was um, like my mum passed away when I was two, when I was really young and my sister was four. So there was just the three of us. Um, so he like, you know, sort of I guess had to put all his hobbies on hold um, and raise two young kids. Um, but it was never like as a kid, you never knew it was a burden mm. um, and he would always just be there to do whatever we wanted to do um, and sort of support us and, and you know, so and then you, you sort of get to that point where you're old enough and just something as small as being like, yeah, I'll come pick up the spike with you was yep. just like, oh, he's been doing this for the last 25 years, you know, mm-hmm. like um, it just makes you realise how special people are in your yep. life yep. Um, and now that a lot of that memory and emotion for me mm. is attached to buying that bike. So, wow. Um, yeah. I can understand that. I really can. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and that's why it was really hard for me as well, just going back to the drift car. Like, it was really hard for yep. me to sell that car because I'd met so many great mates yep. through that car, like mm. because of that car only. Um, people that I probably would have never have spoken to or would never have spoken to me because I, my haircut was not like theirs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the car got you. Got the you car in. is the yeah. common thing. And that's what's yep. so great about motorbikes as well. It is. Um, so, yeah, I was, that was sort of one thing with the excess, um, yeah, with the, with the old boy that. Was it in good nick? Nah. She was rough. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Um, I paid $1,500 for it and everyone's like, wow, it's a steal these days. But it was like at that stage it was still a steal but it was probably... Yeah, at the higher end of a steal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, But it was not in good nick. And that's why I was like, this is not going to be a restoration. This is going to be something that I'll get running. Yeah. Like I stripped it back to a bare frame and powder yeah. coated the frame. But I was like, I knew it was going to be a custom. I knew I was going to have no qualms yeah. just beating this thing off road yeah. um, and dropping it and doing whatever because, yeah, it was never a, you know, it was never a, a survivor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because, yeah, obviously now these days it at Ellerspeed where I work, you see people come in with certain bikes that you're like, should we cut this thing? <laughs> like, Yeah, that'd you know, be a tough decision to make, wouldn't it? hard to find, but then, yeah. um, then you just do it. So Ellerspeed, yeah. for people that don't know, it's mm. a custom motorcycle shop in Brisbane. Yep. How'd you get, how did you get there? Uh, so I was um, – I got to Ellerspeed from um, – you know, I went through school, did uni, yep. did um, multimedia design at uni. So I was doing web and online marketing and that was sort of my background. Right, yeah. Um, and then went and worked at a place that was doing um, basically management training and I was doing like a lot of website, a lot of yep. online um, training for managers and all that kind of stuff. So I was wearing like shirt and tie mm-hmm. um, if I had a meeting, a jacket. Yep. Um, you know, out of uni, you know, I had my little satchel bag and I was yep. – just living the corporate cubicle life for Mm. a good couple of years there. Um, And then after hours, I'd go home and I'd be getting my hands dirty with an old Kingswood or the the drift car by then, like, um, and the motorbikes and that sort of thing. Like, I would go to, like, Friday night drift sessions and I'd peel out of work on a Friday hour early in my, like, shirt and tie Mm -hmm. and I'd pull up at a servo halfway to Ipswich and get changed into some 
old clothes so I didn't roll into the track wearing yeah. this corporate get up so everyone would, you know. Clark Kent. Yeah, everyone got, think like, who's this? Like wow. rolling in this in this get up. So yep. did that. Um, and then, yeah, I got to a point where I was like, I'm doing this stuff during the day, like yep. all this online training. And then at nighttime, I'm mucking around with cars and I was just ready for a sea change. And yep. um, like that was really comfortable job. Um, and I was like, I was at a stage of my life where um, I was like, look, all right, now's the time. I don't yep. have kids. I don't have a mortgage. Yep. Um, so it made it easier for me to make that decision to mm. just be like, let's just try and find something else I can do that combines the passion with the um, profession, yep. I guess. Um, I was with um, my now wife, Amy, um, at that stage and she was really supportive of it. Um, yep. And like... Yeah, it was just a time where I was like, okay, let's let's see what's out there, and I sort of was looking around for what would be a dream job, um, and yeah, and came across Ellispeed and um, Stephen Leo, uh, the owners, um, had just started it like a year or so or two earlier, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, in Leo's garage, so they were still like quite fledgling, and they'd just moved to the shop that we're still at at West End yeah. um, at that stage. So it was really early days, like they'd just finished the shop the original shop fit out Um, and yeah, I just, I just went and um, I think they were doing a talk somewhere. So I went and watched that and was like, yeah, these guys are the, are the real deal. Like if I'm going to, you know, give up this comfy job for a bit of an unknown, like, you know, these guys seem pretty switched on Mm. um, and just hit them up. And then obviously at that stage, they were still like, you know, getting the whole thing happening. Mm. Um, And they were like, look, it's not the right time, but, kept my details and then yeah a couple of months later they they hit me up and said look come have another come have another chat and and went down there and um by that stage i'd finished up doing the office gig and was because i was just over it by then yep um and was looking at all sorts of options and was doing freelance work um and then they said yeah come and come and have a chat so i went down there but it was it was like um we want you to come work for us we need someone like you to get our yep. online thing happening. We need a, you know, we've got a website, but like it yep. wasn't great um, yeah. <laughs> because they did it themselves and we they're not web designers. Step. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, they knew that what I was interested in and what I could do would be very beneficial, but like they yep. couldn't pay me at that stage because, mm-hmm. you know, the business was still just, yep. you know, staying afloat, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it was essentially like, you know, I went, I was like, you know, we had a discussion about where we needed to be and set some time frames, and then yeah, sort of went and started working there. And it was like I didn't get paid really for the first three months, so I used a lot wow. of my savings up, and that's where like having a supportive partner helps, and having no mortgage and no kids because that would yep. be really hard to for other people to do. Mm. Um, and then you know after that, it was like I don't know, a couple hundred bucks a week, and then you know, but we'd set a guideline like after twelve months, I yep. need to be sort yep. of earning at least this amount of money because otherwise I'll have no money left to yep. keep supporting myself. So, um, yeah, and, and luckily after 12 months we were able to get there. Wow. So, and that was like over seven years ago now. Is it really? So, yeah. Um, well, so they must be up nearly their 10th year. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, well, they were in Leo's garage in the 2011 floods. Mm. So they'd already been going like out of Leo's garage before that and built two bikes in there yep. um, and then lost everything in the floods and sort of that was when they were like, all right, well, we need to move to a premises just yep. after that, um, like a year or wherever after that, yep. um, got the shed in West End and started fitting it out. Um, so they'll be, it must be must 10 be right years. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or even more if they count whenever they first had their first meeting together. 
Um, well, that's the part with Amy. That's huge, eh? Like to have a partner that just yeah. backs you 100%. That's, yep. a, that's a big thing. Yeah, exactly right. Yep. Because, you know, we were definitely at that stage of our relationship where yep. we were serious. Yep. Um, so it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. Um, you know, if you lose all your money, I'll just go find another boyfriend because, that's right, yeah. you know, I don't really like you anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just trading. That's my exit strategy. Yeah. yeah. So she was invested. So yep. that was huge. Yeah, like, it is. For her to be like, this is your profession and yep. your passion that you want to try and combine. Yep. I'll support you in that. Um, and I needed like, I don't know if I could have done it without her. Like I spoke to my dad about it a yep. lot and I spoke to her about it a lot to make that jump yep. from a cushy thing. And without her, like I might not have done it mm. for her being like, you know, go for it. So and that's, yeah, yeah, it's, she's very special. A lot of people like, like never do it. Yeah. It's something that like, it's a message. Yeah. Like, very similar story for, for myself. I did 15 years of engineering work prior to doing my video production stuff now. Mm -hmm. Went to uni and that afterwards. And it was the best thing I ever did. I had the, I had the best job in the world prior to it. Yep. And I'm still like best mates with my old boss. It was, it was a great job, mm -hmm. everything. It was, everything about it was financially, everything is better than what I'd be going to do in video production and going to uni. To go out and do something you really want to do, yeah. it's a message you just can't deliver enough to people, you know? That's right, yeah. As long as you've got people supportive around you to yeah. make that jump. And some, some people can do it. Like yep. I, I believe that some people can do it by themselves, yep. um, especially if they've got kids or a mortgage. Like I think there's yeah. always – you always can do it. It's just harder to, yep. to make the jump. You're just risking a bit more. But it's like one of those things like you just say to people like yep. – Again, thing. as you get older, you realise like life is only so – yeah, long you just got to go for anything uh, you know? like if you want to do something you just got to go for it. if you want to start riding motorbikes just go just buy go one it. and you you'll meet people yeah. you know and who like, cares what it is even if thumbster or whatever go ahead and start get into yeah. it and uh yeah I, the amount of people that say oh yeah oh, i couldn't have done it i'm like yeah you could have you yeah, could do it you definitely. really could do it and if yep. you do it it'll be the best thing it'll be it'll be pretty shitty at the start yeah it's pretty tough yep. um you probably won't work for much and or whatever, whatever the case is. But yeah. as soon as you get into a rhythm of it and that, and out of that job that you hate or whatever that position is that you hate, yeah, it's yeah. I can't say it enough to people. You mm -hmm. know, now I've, you know, I'm four years away from that, and it was for me, for my side of it, was tough because I loved that job. And yeah, loved the work. So, people so and, hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, anyway, four years on, it's here we are. Yeah, good. It's good, mate. I'm so, glad we are. And yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, even if it doesn't work out you tried it yeah like that's the important thing yeah because how many like f you know super successful business people mm. try and fail and fail and fail and fail and then All eventually do it but yeah if you don't you know it, it's it's one of those things that you can tell people like try it like do yep. it make the change buy whatever buy yeah. that bike so is the project. best thing you've done yeah 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 like seven years on it's uh Pref it's a long time. like work-wise yeah 100 yeah. percent. so yeah. you got in there you did uh web development Marketing stuff, yep, and stuff. Yep. How did Dust Hustle come about? Yeah, so because um, you've become a custom bike building company that creates events, yes. it's like a real. Um, yeah, it's a bit different. Yeah, it is. So it actually came about um, in twenty fourteen was our first year. So we did the first one in twenty fourteen in September. Mm -hmm. um, so earlier that year, you know, I was you know a year or to yeah it must have been a year or just over a year in there 
um, doing stuff, you know, doing marketing and just yeah. blowing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but um, try my best. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it was like, all right, what can we do um, where we're building all these different bikes for people Um, and at that stage um, we were still doing servicing there as well so we had all these different types of bike customers um, between custom builds and servicing and and we were doing like custom builds on scooters like Vespas all the way through to like Harleys and you know everything Um, and and, um, so there was lots of clients from all different um, walks of life and interests I guess And it was like, how can we do something for all these people? And we were doing road rides and everyone was doing road rides, you know, mm-hmm. at that stage. And road rides were, you know, and still are like hard to kind of manage because how can you go on a road ride with someone on a Vespa and someone on a custom Triumph and someone on a Cruiser and someone yeah. on a custom dirt bike? You know, they all want different things. So it was kind of like, all right, well, let's just... Um, and at that stage, we were stocking Sideburn Magazine from the UK mm-hmm. and they had just run the year before um, their first, I think, or second maybe Dirtquake, um, ah. which is like an inappropriate yep. flat track thing over there. But theirs is an actual race, like they actually have the actual racing. Yep. Um, so we knew about that, nothing like that existed in Australia on a professional track. Yeah. Um, so we were like, yeah, let's do that. Let's talk to them about bringing it over here um, because we were in contact with with Gary who ran Sideburn, still does, um, and talked to him about it. It just wasn't feasible for us because it was so early and we just didn't have the budget to try and yeah. make that happen. Plus, we also wanted to make a few changes of our own and it was like they've got their thing, you know, they were doing it yep. um, and we respected that, you know, that that's how much it costs to do that type of thing. Yep. So we are like, okay, well, we're not there yet um so well let's just do our own let's just see what we can do and 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 we all we all had different bikes you know i had the excess um my my desert sled at that stage you know so i was keen to ride it wherever on the dirt um so yeah it was sort of lucky we talked to a few people um and at that stage it was like all the professional tracks were um motorcycle in queensland clubs or operated mm-hmm. um so we we found it in with mq yeah. um literally just to get an ear with them um to be like this is what we want to do yeah. and yeah at the beginning it was super hard um because they were like if you want to go to a dirt track you can only ride dirt tracks bikes because that's the only legislation we have to cover what happens you have to have that type of bike wow. for that type of event you can't yeah. ride a dirt track bike um, you know, on a road course or whatever, you can't ride this. You can't boxed. ride a, a road bike on a dirt track. You mm. know, like it was very. This is all the channels of legislation. So that was really hard. And they were kind of like, "Why do you want to do this anyway? Like this it sounds like the stupidest idea ever. Um, like no one will be interested in riding st- like stupid bikes on a on a you know like inappropriate bikes on a yeah. dirt track. Like it sounds dangerous." Um, yeah. Yeah, probably like it sounds like a lot of effort for something that's not really going to work. So, um, but we, yeah, we pushed on with it. And um, luckily, you know, even to a point where like they weren't even going to let us have posties on the dirt because it was like, that's too dangerous. Really? No legislation for that. Yeah, it won't happen. So there was just like pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for ages to eventually where we were able to like work out how it would work, what kind of bikes we could have. Um, and it was it, we we got pretty far. Like I think we were able to have like pretty much everything except like um, stuff that had forced induction, um, no super sport or 
Yep. Like serious road bike category bikes. Yep. Um, but they would let us have essentially everything else. That And then we had this huge list of scrutineering items. Mm. It was like over-scrutineered to the max. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, but there was, we were lucky, um, you know, and as much as, um, you know, people have this and that to say about motorcycle in Queensland, um, they were – they you know, supported us to do yep. it. Um, and then we, we got onto a really good club at North Brisbane Junior yep. Motorcycle Club um, at Banyo there. And um, the president at the time was Andrew Brooke, um, who was willing to, you know... Is that Jared's dad? That is Jared's dad, yep. yeah. Yeah, right. Yep. Was willing to let us come out there. Yep. Um, so pretty much and in the early days, Andrew Brooke and then um, Howdy and Mandy Castles were... Mm-hmm they were sort of really key in helping us get it off the ground there um, and making sure that, you know, it sort of worked, I guess. Um, Because they were sticking their neck out like a huge way because they run all these races there all times a year. And if they have all these Muppets show up on bikes that, you know, are inappropriate and they have 20 ambulances come, then that, you know, puts a spotlight on their club and why it happened there and all their safety, you know, things. So they're taking a big risk. Um, mm. So we we you know we're always thankful for the, to North Brisbane Club yep. and and those people um, especially um, for for letting us have the have the event there. So we we're like, all right, well, let's sell some tickets to this thing. Like we had no collateral. Um, the first poster that we made was a photo of me um, that I edited in Photoshop to like do the poster effect on. Wow. Um, and it was literally my mm. access at lunchtime. We pushed the excess around the block where there's now a big block of units there was an empty dirt car park and I did some circles in there and I'm not a good rider so like there was one bit where I was like five degrees sideways and we got a photo of it and I turned that into a <laughs> into a poster. Wow! Um, at the start, and because you know we we were careful about like we couldn't use any of Dirtquake's imagery. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really know any photographers that were shooting. Any, yeah. Well, no one was shooting anything like that in Australia anyway. Yeah. So it was like, how do we sell this to people? Like, how do we get people to come if we can't show them what it is? Like, yeah. you sort of had to like verbally try and talk people into it every time they walked into the shop. Um, so we just thought no one would come. We thought we'd be the only people riding there just by ourselves. And I think we had like eighty-three people came the first year to ride. Was that first year the year that they had the scooters with Batman in that? That was the first year that Dwayne uh, Dwayne year, was right? the scooter with Batman. So we were like encouraging people to to dress up. We were like dress up. It'll be fun. I came to that. Did you? Mm. There you go. That was the very first yeah. year. Yeah. I looked at that. I guess I did dirt track there. Yeah. And I came across because I'm like, what is this? Same deal. I come from Dirt Track. I'm like, yeah. what, what, what's going on here? What are these idiots doing? Yeah. And I, I came across and thought, this looks like the funnest thing I've ever seen. Yep. And I've got a photo still to this day of the Batman on the scooter. Yep. In 2014. Yep. Uh-huh. 2014 it was yeah. September. So that's Dwayne. So he that still rides one. at the event. Really? And he has actually ridden it every single one. What's he ride then? now? Uh, he is Frankenchopper. Oh, is it him? Yeah. Same guy. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Yeah. He's famous. Uh, he is famous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was Evil Knievel for he was Batman, Bat Scooter. Yeah. Um, then he was Evil Knievel for a few years. Does he do Evil Knievel and Ducati? No, he That's was another one. It's another guy. Yeah, um, I think he's sort of taken over the Evil Knievel um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, mantra. Uh, he's so he was, full on. Yeah. So he was Evil <laughs> Knievel on an XL or an XR250. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he turned that, or he might know he's got two actually, um, and then he got another XL250 and raked that out. Um, yeah, right. To to be Frank and Chopper. Um, the scariest motorcycle going around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we had to make him get 
proper engineering certificate for that. Did you end. really? Yeah. What is an MQ requirement? Or just uh, something kind of that, kind of like I thought as well, like yeah. this thing's going to snap in half and yeah. just impale him and then I'll never sleep a night again in my life. Um, <laughs> like as the event organizer. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just, he sent me a photo of it and I was like, I was like, this is where we're at. Yeah. Like, this is where we're up to. <laughs> so true. Like it's, it's like scary. 12 foot long. And yeah. it's just it's just metal pole. Yeah. Like it's it's heavy duty, whatever. And you see it's it swaying engineer. though. Like yeah, there's no suspension. It, no, just, it just sways like this. So. Just bounces. Oh mate. So yeah, yeah, you had to get proper engineering set. We did for him, yeah. yeah. That was like getting to that point where um the mods were getting so wild yeah. that um if we we probably could have got away with it once, but yeah. then uh certain like people would have seen photos of it of and then probably yeah. asked us you know to see what our scrutineering guidelines were like and how we allowed wow. that um, especially when he came to the QMP one with that and was like I'm going to jump this thing yeah. so we were like this is the best thing ever slash also could be the worst thing ever yeah for sure we um, support you but yeah we don't. Oh, I was like if I wasn't running it I'd be like hell yes yeah. let's definitely do this yeah let's like, jump it let's where's, build where's the, the lips up yeah. <laughs> where's the double <laughs> yeah okay. wow uh, so what a supporter though for the event if he's yeah. done everyone absolute legend yeah um, him and <clears throat> another guy, Mick Davidson, who's a Ninja Turtle. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm pretty sure they're the only two that yep. somehow have managed to get tickets to everyone. Like yep. they're, they're like four in their 40s, I would say. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe early 50s. Sorry, guys, if they're younger than that. We're pretty close to that too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But they're like just must be a weapon on the yep. keyboard because it sells out pretty quick these yep. days. So they... Um, it's like the big day out. They get in. Yeah. You sit up at midnight and wait for yeah. the excitement builds. And yeah, which is incredible because that first event, yep. we were like, we're going to be the only... Like there was a f- couple of us at the shop. We were like all whatever is yep. at the shop are going to be the only ones riding. There'll be no one here. Yep. We'll spend a bunch of money and then we'll go home, yep. like on hiring the truck essentially for ourselves yep. and go through all this, you know, paperwork to get it off the ground. Um, yeah, and 83 people came and I think there was probably like 100 spectators, which you were one. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, so. Uh, yeah, that was the first one and then it just sort of rolled on from there. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and... Yeah, we, we still do one every year yep. um, at North Brisbane. We're, we're really lucky that North Brisbane Junior Motorcycle Club are the, like a yep. club full of legends mm. um, and their, their committees because the committee evolves um, every year as well um, and that, yeah, every year they're still willing to, to have us back. Um, Is Howdy Castle still there? No. No, they've yep. they've um, hung up the boots. They were well due for retirement. They worked, yeah. They're done, yeah. Really hard there for a lot of years, especially with us with Dust Hustle and they had um, Jack and Jace, uh, their boys were racing there for a lot of years and they did, yep. yeah, they did a, uh, Howdy and Minnie did a, a lot for the club there. He did so. one year, didn't he, Jace, on that turbo? We, we roped Jace and Jack because they were both like, North Brisbane pros, so sure. we roped both of them into riding yeah. a couple of times in some pro demos, and then yeah, Jace had this beach race bike, which was a Turbo YZ 450F um, that he rode one year. That was as well. beautiful, eh? Yeah, with like a big long swing arm, and yeah, um, yeah, I think it, they were having some rub, running issues mm. one time, but we should try and twist his arm and get him coming out of retirement. Good to get that bike coming out, coming yeah. out again because it's a wet. Yeah, yeah, he did for the grass tree, grass tree beach races in Mackay. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. That's, Piece of work. Yeah, I yeah. need to actually. We need to try and get some more of the grass tree gang down for it now that we're allowed to have um, super sport bikes and forced induction. So what changed there? 
Essentially, we just had a good track record. Really? Yeah. yeah. And after like years and years, because every now and then we'd have a few people that would ask that would be like, yeah. oh, I've got this bike. It's an old GSXR that I used to race and I crashed it and it's got no yeah. fairings, but I'd be keen to try this out. It looks pretty silly. And yeah. um, they've obviously got a few screws loose. So Of course, yeah. Um, you're a road racer, you know what they're like. Um, yeah, silly. So, yeah, <laughs> we, we literally just had a pretty good track record with yep. um, how the event was going. So every year we would sort of see what people were asking, see what people wanted and we'd mm. go back to MQ or we'd talk to insurance people and we'd say, look, this is what we want to do. Can we do it? And we'd just sort of keep, you know, this is our yep. track record. There's how many, you know, so that's why it's really important to like find that fine line between like having a really fun, really loose time. Yeah. Um, but also making sure that it's still safe and everyone, you know, because mm. at the end of the day, I want I want everyone that starts the event to be there so I can have a beer with them at the yeah. end of the day when we all knock off. For sure. That's like the most important thing. That's so, yeah. Um, and it's really hard when people are riding road bikes with road tires on dirt and yeah. doing jumps and stuff, um, but y you just sort of put everything in place but and you don't want to over-regulate anything so no. we try and make the rules as minimal as possible because it's about making it accessible for everyone yep. so literally now it's essentially whatever bike you have got if it's got two wheels with the like we're not allowed to run trikes and quads yet mm. um, in the same categories at least um, but yeah if it's got two wheels whatever bike you've got you can ride it at Dust Hustle um, it's awesome dirt. so that's like you know that's been a real work in progress to get to that point yep. where we can sort of say that i guess how um, much of being a custom building shop yeah how much of your shop time is taken up in an event uh me personally yep. a lot really um, yep. yeah so probably i would do dust hustle what well, you know with the social media ticks over so i do dust hustle stuff every week yep um for the whole year and we only do two events um yep. And then leading up to the event, like it takes up a lot of my time. Yep. Um, and then, you know, like the week or two before the event, I sort of drag people in from other parts of the business or volunteers or whatever, yep. excuse me, to make it happen. So um, it, it takes up a lot of time. And that was, I guess, in the early stage, the first three, the first four years, everyone in the shop rode. Um, yep. Well, the first four events, sorry, because the th the fourth year we we went to Badadabar because after year three when it was really busy at North Brisbane and we sold out, mm. um, I think we sold out in like a, a week or something. We were like, ah, oh, it's going crazy. This is the yeah. best thing ever. Yeah. Um, in a week? Yeah. Wow. And uh, yeah, so that's when we were like, all right, well, maybe we should add a second one to the to the calendar yep um and that's where the sort of scrambles one came in because we already had a flat track one we're like let's sort of add something yep. a bit different um but yeah when in the early days we were all riding as well and then by the time it got to that fourth one like i think i rode four laps at the fourth one yeah and there was just too much to do for our little team mm. and that's when we realized that the event was getting to that point at the event but also before and after it was getting to that point where it was like, all right, this is sort of outgrown just yep. being a fun day for us and our customers now and we need to, you know, if we want it to keep going. We've got to be event managers now. Like yeah, essentially. Yep. We sort of grew into that, yeah, where mm -hmm. we had to be event managers. So that was like a real double-edged sword because I loved riding um, mm -hmm. at the event but at the same time, like I love, like we're so stoked that so many other people are yep. doing it. Um, and it sort of grew to that point as well where, um, yeah, the um, – yeah, just just everything around it was was 
was more to do. So, um, yeah, it takes a lot now to do yep. two events for a company that's essentially not an event management company. That's right, yeah. Um, to just do this event that just grew not because we were like, you know, like how many events these days is the event is to make profit and the byproduct is that people can go and listen to music or they can yeah. go and do whatever whereas literally that started because we're like this will be a really fun idea yeah. and stupid which means it'll be Even amusing. Yeah. And, yeah and and it's 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 obviously proven yeah with the support and the the people that keep coming back year after year exactly right you know, yeah the heart's so in the right place from the start yeah everything's the foundations are there that's yeah i think that's right the vibe from the start yep. was sort of from that and we've yep. i guess you try and carry that forward um yeah like i think people get it yeah um like they they probably see that yeah the people that are running it will, probably would be riding if they're if the time you know, they could sure. yeah um so they sort of see like it's event just by someone who's exactly the same as them that just wants yep. to ride this silly bike on the dirt so um and we're lucky to even get to that point like steve and leo mm. um even in year one being able to be like yeah this sounds like a kind of a fun idea let's do it and mm. you know even you know to, to for them as small business owners to be like let's keep doing this and taking a bit of a risk and yep. taking a financial hit mm. to organize it um, you know, even now, like it, we cover the hard costs, but we probably still lose money on the amount of time, like it, the staff time. spend on it. Yeah, because yeah. we, you know, we sort of we try and account for all of that, but it's so hard yep. to work it out for the whole year. Like how many little five minutes and ten minutes and one hour yep. here, there, every every day or every week you spend on it. So for them to still be like, because it's grown so far away from. You know, from El just a little thing that drives customers back to Ellisby, it's just its own event now. Yep. Um, yeah, that they're still like, you know, let's keep doing it is like, you know, I think like I always, you know, big big props to them for for letting it to happen. Still. It. Yeah, for keep supporting it. You know, because sure. at the end of the day, it's their, you know, it's the it's their sort of small business that's everything making it happen. Line. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So but you you said it really well just before, and I'm going to stuff it up. Bada bada. Bidadabha. Bidadabha. I, I say Bidadabha. Oh, I just say I can say anything. So. Well, we don't have to say it anymore because nah, it's unfortunately gone. it's not a venue. Exactly. Yeah, That was an awesome venue. That was a killer venue. Yeah. Um, just in general as a track. Yeah. Uh, like the QVMX club obviously was their place. Yep. That was one of the best venues for Wasn't any sort it? of bike riding around. Yeah. So, yeah, we were there for one event. Number four. Um, number four it was. Yep. yep. And um, in, the, in the fourth, start of the fourth year when we were like, we've got to do something yep. else um and that was yeah that was awesome there and that sort of was the point where we were like this thing's getting big um well we sort of knew it but it, that's when it was like pretty evident we that was the um like toby price come to ride at yep. that event which was like amazing mm. um like i was a big well i still am a big toby fanboy so yep. <laughs> that was pretty killer and he absolutely um, shredded oh he wore a panda suit and yep. rode the, his dakar bike and just yep. dusted everyone and it was the best thing ever brought his ute along yeah like kids anger like yeah he just yeah just that, does it right you know? yeah yeah yep. he does it right and i think like that was sort of like it worked well with the event because that was yep. sort of fit in with the vibe of it like you know yep. there was no vip areas and all that kind of stuff it was just like he was just like every other punter there yeah um, so hopefully we can twist his arm to come back again. Um, but yeah, that was a killer a good one. Yeah, that was a real good one. Um, but then yeah, we and we would have gone back there the next year. But the problem, you know, obviously with motorcycle clubs is mm. um, committees change and and yep. people change. So you always 
dealing with new people. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we were booked on to go back there again um, the following year. Oh, really? Year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. And we were actually like had the posters out, like, had a bunch of printing done yep. all with Badadabar all over it for DH6 it would have been. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and about two months before, we'd already sold, oh, we were just about to sell rider tickets. We were like a week away from selling rider tickets. Yep. And yeah, the, the president was like, look, the, you know, the committee, there's a lot of stuff going on the committee. The, the venue was sort of changing over with, mm. you know, who was going to be running it because there was some developments or whatever. Um, and anyway, they were like, we can't guarantee your date. Um, that's in two months' time. Wow. Uh, or, or however long it was. might have been three months. I can't remember. Because you would have been originally dealing with uh, John Tate. John Tate. For, yep. for the first year. Yeah, for the first year. And then he finished up, yep. unfortunately, because we already had built that relationship mm. with him. So it's always nice to continue a relationship if you got yep. it. So... Um, and it was no fault of the committee or the um, president that just happens. had got in there. It was yep. just happened. It was like turmoil with that with that venue and where where the future of the actual venue was going to be. For so sure. they were like, "Look, we can't guarantee the date." And for us, like, we couldn't run a, obviously an event without a guaranteed date. So then it was just like this mad scramble because we were a week away from rider tickets going on sale to try and find yep. a um, venue or cancel it. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, luckily within a week we were able to like we we sort of talked to anyone we knew and then we obviously we went back to MQ and yeah. and we're still talking to them and then that they put us on to obviously QMP uh, yep. because they've got a uh, an interest there um, and was sort of I knew we were in the lurch essentially yep. like I don't know if we had a said to them before that yep. can we go and do it at QMP they probably would have been like. We'll let you run it somewhere else, but not you know, not at a venue that we're involved with. Yeah, our own venue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's how QMP came about. That's how QMP came about. They were like, they knew we were in the lurch, yep. and um, we were you know potentially going to can this thing. Um, yep. And yeah, they were they sort of helped us out and introduced us to Ray Buchanan from QMP, who's oh, yeah. yep. another absolute legend, mm. um, old Raybo. Yeah. So yeah, he was he sort of sat down with us, and so he basically put all that. All the tracks together, all the different places. Yeah, well, they because they already had a bunch of tracks, and when yep. we went there, we were like, you know, and the, the attraction. I guess as events, you know, Dust Hustle works because it's not something you can go and do every weekend. Correct. So we went there to QMP, and he was like, "Yeah, we've got this many tracks," and we were like, "All right, let's just pump the brakes." Yeah. <laughs> like we can't run an event. Yep. Um, like, sure, the the bikes are different. But we were like, we want the whole package. Like this event, yep. the point of this event is everything's different. Like that's mm. why it works. Like the people's outfits are different. Their bikes, they ride different. Like we, you know, like you've yep. got to have that point of difference and you've got yep. to stick to it. Um, so, yeah, we were like, look, we'll use one track yep. and then the rest of them I was like... What can we do? What have you yeah. got? You know, like yeah. where, where is the paddock? Where where can we, you know, and he was like, oh, if we make something, it's got to be certified and all this sort of stuff. So we were like, all right, well, well how much is that going to cost? Like, let's yep. do it, you know. So, yeah, we, we we use one track there and then the other two tracks is like a kid's training area that they don't allow to use and we cut a little enduro loop off that yep. um, to make it sort of bigger enough to fit sort of 40 bikes at a time on there. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, this other area, we we sort of marked out a flat track and got it all approved, a grass flat track there, which they never had before. Yep. Um, and sort of, yeah, we're able to do that. So now it's kind of like, okay, you can, here's this event where not only are you riding tracks that you can't just go and ride at QMP, yep. 
uh, but you also can ride on a different bike and you can... Because that, that, what you've got set up there just about make me want to go to QMP all the time. Yeah. Compared to compared to what it is the other 52 weeks of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's awesome, you know, having all the different tracks and yeah, yeah it's a good setup that you've done. It's a, yeah, it works yep. out really well um, and yeah, it's just an awesome venue for it and probably yep. actually a, that we found out doing it at Badada Bar that we had to spend an absolute fortune of money and time on taking everything there because there was no power there, there was no toilet blocks, yeah. there was no not enough fencing, it's there was no rubbish. Yep. Um, whereas QMP's got a lot of that stuff that you know event yep. organisers know but we had no idea. Mm. Um, so we sort of learnt all that the hard way that we had to cough up for all that kind of stuff. So that was a benefit of going to What QMP a learning curve, well. eh? Yeah. Like really, the whole lot? We've just been rolling with it and you know, like each year, like everyone yep. who's been there knows, like you know when you yep. went to the first one and then when you go to one now, you, it evolves. So we oh. evolve from what we learn but also yep. from what like if, if someone who's riding the event rides it and comes up and says, what about this? Mm. Like we won't be like, oh, yeah, cool. So is there anything we'll listen to it that know, you can like, talk of for the future? Like, uh, as in, is there any uh, different um, track changes or anything like that? We always definitely the QMP one. We can always yep. um, like tweak, yeah, yeah, that because especially because two of them are not a proper set out track, so we sort yep. of tweak it. Um, and even just little stuff like last year um, <laughs> on the flat track. Uh, one corner was like near this sort of like pond thing and it was really wet and we'd like watered the whole track yeah. but this one corner was already wet so it was just like there were just bikes going tires up everywhere yeah, um, right. so just little stuff like that you yep. know like we changed little but things just like that just keep it consistent yep yeah but just tweak it because the, the year before that we had a drag strip at Badada Bar instead of a grass flat track you know we had two scrambles and we had an uphill mm. drag strip so we did that how'd that work out? Uh, look, I think we had our most ambulances because of yeah. that. Um, was that full on? It was really interesting because it was like we run all these tracks. There was jumps on the QMP yeah. thing. And the most Low accidents risk. we had was from a straight, two straight lanes going up a hill. Um, That's the lowest risk form of riding. Is it? Drag racing? Well, you'd think so. You would think so. When you go out to when you go out to Badabada, yeah. <laughs> if I said it right, yeah, that sounds. Bad. I just look at that place. So I look at that drag strip and think, for me, that is the most safest thing I could do. Yeah, now. we put hay bales at the end. As a terrible rider, yeah, that's the safest thing I can do. Yeah, but uh, probably wasn't. No, so wasn't. You know, so uh, was that we, the most injuries you had? Yeah, over all the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we did a drag strip at QMP. Um, which wasn't as many injuries because it was a flat drag strip as yep. opposed to an uphill, um, which I thought would have been worse, but it wasn't. I think it was just literally flatter. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what do you think of having the drag strip there? It was good for a while, yeah. but you, you, the feed, like we only evolved it from feedback because yep. like I did a few, like because we weren't riding by that stage as well, so we literally rely on everyone who's yep. riding the event because we can we see everything. Yep. But when you ride it, you, you it's, a different it's different. Vibe. Yeah. Yep. So we would do a few pass runs and be like, "This is fun." I'm, you know, chop your mates. Yep. Um, you know, who buys first at the bar? Yep. All that kind of stuff. Um, but then when you actually do the event and your group goes around to that drag strip, once you do three or four runs and you've probably nearly toasted the clutch on your yep. 
$500 Gumtree TS185 anyway, <laughs> you're probably over it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it sort of got to that point where it's like you can do a few runs but then yeah. you're like, I've done that, you know. You almost don't need to go back there in the mm. afternoon um, just because, yeah, it's it's a bit different from obviously proper drag what racing is. where you can just keep doing it and evolving. It's a good thing like it is but, yeah, 45-minute slot. Yeah. And that's it. Turn it off. Yeah. Turn it on, turn it off, I think. Hey, it's sort of – Yeah. Yeah, and I've, and we yeah. could we could take like if everyone's like let's do drag racing again like yeah. we'll we could bring it back but the flat the grass flat track was like the That's best the track last year it was so yeah, good. It was awesome. yep. um, yeah it was it was epic grass flat track is it's just awesome for like any bike yeah 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 I, I agree hundred <clears> percent <throat> like no matter what it is mm. so Q and P uh, will that continue to be a place yeah hope so yep. uh-huh. as long as they keep having us back yeah cool yeah because it's just um, yeah, it's a venue that works. They've got good facilities there. Yep. Um, they've got a good team. And, and um, I guess probably something which if anyone is involved in motorcycle clubs, yep. it, like if they get this deep into the video, then props to them because they've yep. waded through some, through some junk already. But if you're involved in a club, the one yep. benefit for us as like an event organizer coming yep. from, you know, really experienced event organization that we organize two yep. events a year yep. and apart from some road rides that we do ourselves. Moto GP level. Yeah. yeah. Um, a takeaway is like for us as an external events place dealing with QMP, yep. it's like you can ring up Ray and you can ask him a question. He can give you an answer. Mm. You can't do that with a club or a committee um, and – well, you, you can to an extent and that's why some of the people that we've dealt with at like John Tate was good at it but probably copped some heat for it. I'm sure people at North Brisbane, their presidents over the years as well because sometimes they can and sometimes they can't and I think yep. clubs need to find that fine line if they want to attract any kind of external sponsors or external brands. Yep. There's sometimes where you need someone on the community or a president to be able to make a decision mm. and then go back to the committee and say, this is what I've decided you know, you got, I'm the president, yep. you know, you're elected for a reason. Yep. There's a lot of stuff that the committee obviously should decide on together, yep. but that makes it so much easier mm-hmm. to deal with as a as an event organizer because yep. sometimes we'll have questions or whatever and it's part and parcel. It's not a bad thing, but, you know, yep. like with North Brisbane, sometimes you have to wait a month for an answer. Oh, um, wow. And it's like, you know, until the next, you might have just missed the committee meeting, so you've got to wait till the next one. And yep. and that's part of it. Like we understand that. But, yeah, sometimes there are certain things where I think clubs, um, yep. which is a really hard because obviously sometimes people can take it like in, in a committee could take it too far if they were given that power. Mm. Um, but that would be really beneficial, I think, for a lot of clubs in Australia if they could get some kind of setup where for a brand or an external event organizer yep. or anything that they're trying to attract that moves at some kind of pace, yep. um, you know, like brands marketing and all that kind of stuff, um, sponsorship of a track, you know, yep. they need to be able to get an answer on stuff quickly and that mm-hmm. is a huge benefit of dealing with a place that only has, you know, that has a, a, a venue manager essentially. Yep. So, yeah, hopefully we'll keep as, – as long as we – as long as I keep Ray happy. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and he's pretty easy to keep happy. He's a good man, Ray. Good man. I yep. get along with him really well. Oh, that's yep. good. Um, and, and I, um, with MQ and with all of the committees and that, like I didn't grow up racing. Yep. So I don't know any of them yep. from any kind of background before Dust Hustle. So I just walk into meeting them as someone who wants to do this and they've got no preconceived ideas of me of yep. being – 
thinking I'm hot shit or, or I'm a turd or I was a really nice guy, so we're going to bend over backwards for him. So yeah. it works both ways. It's a real blank canvas, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a benefit, but it's also a hindrance because they're like, you've never done anything for us before, so why are we going to bend over backwards for you? Mm. On the other hand, they're like, you've never come to our club and been an absolute turd, so you're never coming back here. So yeah, it sort of works balance, both ways. Hey? Yeah, you, you when you come from not in that uh, area, yeah. Um, yeah, it sort of sort of goes both ways. So, so have you turned into being a good event manager? Uh, no. Tough gig, eh? Yeah, it's yeah. so hard. I don't know how people like I get grey hairs from two events a year, I reckon. Imagine um, it every weekend. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. Like I love Dust yeah. Hustle. Like I love the event. Yep. But still, like still a stressful Oh, it thing. would be. Yeah, yeah, really stressful. People don't um, – well, maybe they do realise, but I don't think people realise what goes into behind the scenes for these things. That's know? right, yeah. yeah. And and to be honest, it's been really good for me because running an event, yep. until you run one or you're part of something that runs one, like it has changed. Like I used to go to events and not think a thing about it and yep. push the limits, the, the rules, whatever. Yep. Um, you know, as long as no one died, happy days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but not extreme. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, with car events and motorbike events. Whereas yep. now if I go to a – any other event, yep. like I, I love having a good time. Yep. But I know that there is someone that's probably absolutely pulling their hair out if I do this, that, or the yep. other. So I think you can still have a really good time and sort of try and be, I guess, respectful. Especially, I think we're very lucky with Dust Hustle because I think a lot of people know that we're not just like a corporate event company. No. Um, they're just kind of like they hopefully see us as the same as them but just we're the ones that are just running it and they're yeah. the ones riding. I think um, so. So I think they sort of get that. They'll sort of really try and push the rules but still like not go to a point where they know it's going to be an absolute ball breaker for us after yep. the event. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're really lucky with the with the crowds that come to mm. that. There's obviously always a couple and they're usually people that aren't like – what I would call like a hustler. Like yep. they're not invested. They're a one-off. They're, they're a one-off. They, yeah. You know, they'll come once and then they'll they'll never come again, you know, because whatever. Yeah. So um, and there's, yeah, there's people that we've had to say like you shouldn't come back. You have? Yeah. Yeah, right. Because there's always going to be people like that. Yeah. You know, you don't want – I want everyone to come back. Like For if sure. they're willing to come and ride something stupid on the dirt, then they're probably yeah. – a bit of a lord that I'd like to have around. Yep. But unfortunately, sometimes there's people that just are going to be absolute drop kicks. What's the nutty? What's the nuttiest thing you've seen? Bike-wise? Yeah. Someone ride? Yeah. Um, or activity there? Like is it Kirkness on the road bikes? Is it? Oh, like, yeah, we're really lucky that some of those pros yep. will come and just go absolutely berserk because yep. we all think we're going berserk until you see like Kirkness yep. go past on a road bike with road tyres like yep on the lock stop yeah, and on the throttle stop at the it's same awesome time. Watch, eh? yeah. um, so that stuff's pretty killer. But for me, it's just like it's literally all of the – I get most enjoyment out of watching like the average Joes and yep. Joettes because they go out there and most of them will like – you know, and I know this because I do the same thing. Like yep. we will pick the worst lines. Yep. We will like have probably not great technique yep. and you just make it work on whatever bike you got and yeah. watching them because it's not predictable – you know, <laughs> like true. my riding's not rigged. Nah, it's nah, shocking. Nah, like so you see these people just trying to manhandle this, this you know, absolutely jalopy with probably yep. flogged bushes around yeah, the corner yeah. and they're wearing a banana suit or something. Yep. Um, 
you know, watching that, watching it's real fun, just salt of the earth fun, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, yep. and it takes me back literally full circle to when my mate taught us to ride at his place and he was just like scooped up all the bikes that he had and there were scooters and there was yep. YZs and there was everything yep. and you were all just hammering around some little track together. It's like I always say this is the adult version of riding with your mates when you were yep. a kid if you were lucky enough to have that. If you can transfer that over to an event, mm. that is the best. It's got to be the best feeling, oh, you know. We try, yeah. Yeah. Because, yep. you know, like even uh, last week I went over to Stratty riding moto. Yep. And it's the first time in a long time that I've just really enjoyed it, yep. enjoyed riding. Mm. And it's because I wasn't chasing a group of people or anything. Yeah. It was just like going back to being a kid. I was just exploring around and doing my own pace. I thought, far out, like I love bikes. Yeah. But it's the first time in ages where it's just real fun. Yeah. And I, that, that's what I see at your events as well when I've ridden and stuff as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a good feeling to do that because it's no fun if it's just, I don't know, so competitive, Civic, so yeah. ego. And it's just none of it. That's right. And people yeah. can do that stuff. For sure. Like they, they can do that already, but you've got to have the right bike to do that. For and sure. I mean, I guess you probably wouldn't go like that's probably why it was so hard for us to get Dust House off the ground because we were going to these race venues for sure. yeah. and they didn't understand why we would want to like mm. all ride around and race on bikes that were just not fair. Like that's not competitive. Yeah. Like, yep. That's not going to be fun or fair. Yeah. Um, and now that that is a really key difference for us with Dust Hustle is that it's it's a staggered start, or you know at QMP it's the tracks open and you go on, yep. And then it's like a the the time finishes or it's a random check and flag, yep. you know, at the flat track. So someone whoever happens to come around gets the yep. check and flag first. So Easy. they're yeah. a winner. Um, and that is a huge difference because, like, if you go out there with someone that's faster than you or we're really lucky to have legends like Chris Vermeulen and Jason yep. Crump and, you know, Gary McCoy and, and and um, you know, all those Mr. Motocross, you know, like um, all those guys come and ride and Gemma Wilsons and, you know, Emma McFerrins and all the legends like that, mm. all these pros come and, I you know, you're genuinely stoked when one of those legends roasts you in the face. For sure. But if you were actually racing them, like you don't have fun when an ex-pro comes up and dusts you. It's not fun. No. But when they're there and you're all riding around together and they go past and you see how fast they can go from right next to them, not from behind a fence, it's yeah. like the best thing ever. Yeah, it would be. So yeah. having that little difference where it's kind of like as soon as you get going, you're racing someone. Yep. Whoever's beside you, you're racing them. Whoever's yep. just in front of you, you're still racing them. Yeah. Yep. You're racing. But I think that's a really key difference mm. as well and that's sort of like where people – you know, who don't race like me or I've never raced can sort of start to, you know, probably head towards racing. Yeah, it's probably brought um, some people actually into racing. Well, it has for me. Really? Yeah. Yep. Like I started racing, this is a really loose term, Yeah. Um, vintage enduro. That's um, why you got the KDX. Got the KDX. Which 200? Is KDX 200. Yep. Okay, best trail bike ever built. Yeah, right. Thank you, Mr. Kawasaki. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting for my sponsorship letter from Kawasaki Australia. You'll get it one day. Um, yeah, like I think it's one of those things where yep. you can get that little taste of competitive edge um, yep. and then, yeah, if you want, like some people have graduated to be club members at North Brisbane or they'll be, you know, they'll buy an appropriate bike mm. and start doing that if they feel like this bit of competitive with whoever someone was beside them was something that they liked. Yep. Whereas before, the only way you would get a taste of that is if you went out and bought a $10,000 KTM and actually lined up on the gate. Yep. Or you might buy a secondhand one and it's still going to be like 
yeah, six, still seven, five, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So whereas now you can dip your toe in that water yep. for a thousand bucks on Gumtree and a event ticket and a oh, stupid yeah. outfit, and if you like it, then you can go and graduate to do that. So it's kind of like a stepping stone, definitely for the whole hooligan thing as well. It's about to say this, but you're going to beat me to it. Yep. Go on, you say it. No, you say it, mate. Yeah, like the whole like year one, no Harley Davidsons at the event. Yep. That has been the biggest growing portion of the event mm. um, is Harley's riding. And now I think at our last event, it was approximately 50% were Harley's in the road bike category. So yeah. like that's how much it's growing. Um, and that's the thing, like they can come and ride if you're like the whole hooligan thing is blowing up. Um, if you're into that kind of stuff, but you don't necessarily want to line up with a couple of these beasts that are already absolute shredders, then you can come and um, dip your toe at Dust Hustle and see what it's like. And yep. if you like it, then you can, you know, screw something together a bit more competitive. More competitive and, yep. Yeah. And so sort of take that next step. Um, so that's, it's, it's like that. I feel like it's like that for a lot of stuff. And hopefully we're sort of, yeah, just like this fun stepping stone for yep. people that used to race can come back and have some fun. Yep. People that are going the other way might might graduate on, but hopefully they can all still come and meet in the middle and we can just have a really good time. Because like I was talking to Brian about it in mm. the first episode. Yeah. And obviously Hooligan's big over in the States and everything. Yeah. But I've, I personally feel Brian says the same thing. If it wasn't for Dust Hustle, it probably wouldn't have the same traction that it's got currently here. Well, it's, yeah. fostered, it's fostered a generation of people coming to Dust Hustles that have started to be out of same thing. Legislations, yep. legislations were like we can't ride this on the thing, and it's gradually broken that down to a point now where yeah. you can do it. And now there's some racing happening. That's right. That's been fostered from that event. So yeah, it's, yeah. And uh, as one event, and then it's just kept going. Brian's a very nice man, and we paid him a lot to say that. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that's right. He, yeah, no, he's, but he's right. You like. Well, hopefully, you know, maybe if we could be some small part of that, that would be epic yep. because I know there used to be like an Aussie twins flat track category or something and that, you know, mm. that was like when we were trying to do this and we were talking about the types of bikes, they sort of made mention of a category that used to be like that in flat track but it didn't – like we couldn't even write a posting in that class or something. Yeah. So I know that used to be around and for whatever reason that just died off and that yep. used to be like Triumphs and Harleys and, you know, all that yep. kind of stuff. So, yeah, if, if we could be just a tiny part of getting – you know, like a class like that going yep. again, that would be that that'd be amazing. Like that'd make it worth, you know, a lot of it worthwhile because that's just another category of racing that's not yep. lost, I guess. Yeah, it's um, just it's 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 opened it up again. Yeah, you know? yeah, it really has. Um, the, the only thing for me about, um, I guess, while we're on the topic of hooligan stuff, yep. um, for me, then this might be really controversial, but like actual hooligan racing, like on that small oval, yes. is like for me. Personally, this is not a reflection of anyone else. Mm. I just feel like it's a real snooze fest. Like, <laughs> it's not your thing, eh? It's not my thing because, yep. and this is the reason why, yep. because when you see those guys go on like even a speedway size oval, yep. it's like 10 times as exciting. And then when you see them go on an Australian dirt track, yep. like Dust Hustle or when they did the Sultans of Slides series, like any footage I saw from that was killer, mm. like looked epic. Um, the tiny little indoor things like... Yep. You know, like, yeah, Brian said, like, they're barely breaking traction. He's not even going fast enough to back it in. Like, mm. it's like having a lion that's got a collar on it. Yeah, it's you know, like, gear. let him off the leash. I'm the same. I, I, uh, love, like, I love American flat track. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite sports. Yeah. But uh, that's as in being American flat track. Yeah. When you're on the mile track, you're yeah. Sacramento mile or something yeah. like that. That's, for me, that is the key of flat track that's, racing. Yeah, so, incredible. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's good to see all all facets of it. Yeah, it but is. yeah, I, I I know exactly what you're saying there too. But you see him like the the original on any Sunday. Yeah, you see the guys coming in at 105 mile an hour or whatever, yep. and just pitching it into a turn. Incredible. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I think for us, like Australia's always, especially a dirt track, mm. is done it differently. Like we run wheel and tire setups that nowhere else in the yep. world runs. So I think obviously the hooligan crowd. Um, have to like America is the biggest market and that's mm. like that little hooligan style track. So they have to be able to do that, I guess, or work towards that. Yep. But I don't think like, and they're not, which is great, I think, um, of doing hooligan Australian style on like TT tracks and bigger Australian dirt tracks. Like yep. that is super exciting. Like Definitely. that is way more exciting yep. than like hooligan stuff. And I think, you know, even maybe in hooligan stuff in the, in the US will graduate from those smaller courses and they probably do already like at uh, Buffalo Chip or whatever mm. um, to, to more of a TT thing like um, I think that stuff's really cool because the bikes are big they're capable of some horsepower oh, for sure. um, and, and doing some some big things so yeah I'd like to see like Australian hooligan sure do that small hooligan thing but also yep. do some like real Aussie hooligan style tracks and racing like, like yeah yeah do, you know like that hooligan track say the track in the middle of North Brisbane yep the junior track yeah you're talking really about that size is what a hooligan track is. Yeah. Like, that's pretty crazy to think, isn't yeah. it? So like yeah. it is in depth of size. So yeah, I'd, yeah, yeah I'd, I'm keen to see it. And I, I know the guys have been uh, been talking about going up to Maryborough. Yep. To see something like that would track. be That'd be incredible. awesome. Yeah. That'd be really cool. And so. that's some like, that's Aussie hooligan. Yeah. Like, that's killer. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the footage that I've seen, some of the photos and that same thing with Sultans of Slide, mm-hmm. same as what you said. Yeah. Looked awesome. Epic. Yeah. Really, really cool. Mm. So hopefully... I don't know what's going to happen to that this year. There's a few a few issues around there. So yeah, well, I mean, with anything like any category like that, mm. it's so early on that ev- like if they want to get it off the ground, like you literally have to support any instance yep. of it happening. You, you know, that's you've got to, mm. and and I'll, I think, and they probably already are, but try and rope in people who've got triumphs, who've got Kawasaki twins, like yep. any twins, Aprilia twins, whatever, Aprilia twins, yep. like just get as many. T- twins into the fold you can because literally when you're getting something off the ground yep. anyone just wants to just see a numbers, numbers game, it? it's a numbers yeah, game unfortunately you can be super passionate about it have a real good core group but unless you keep bringing people in then you know you, you, your venues want to see numbers for sure mm. um, what was I going to say to you talking about Dust Hustle yeah. and the tracks Yeah, we rode Ferg's bike that he he races <laughs> it. he's done Dust Hustle in the last five, five years maybe yeah or four Four years? Yep. On that ridiculous diner. Yeah. So we've been out today riding. Yep. That thing is a weapon, hey? It is a weapon. So um, I anyone who rides anything in the risky road bikes category has Kudos. my respect yep. already. They're already a bit of a savage. Yep. Um, that thing's almost like gone over the bell curve to I think where I'm like, Ferg's got screws loose because that gasoline yep. alley diner that monster diner that he's built and rides at phillip island and also rides it on the dirt um is just a yeah it's a menace of a thing like it's almost yeah it's it's un it's like uncaged oh it is like Uh, we we went out for probably about three hours today for ride and i was supposed to hand it over maybe at halfway and i didn't yeah i was sort of addicted to it it's like it's it is a muscle car, yep. but you end up getting you end up getting I went a bit for of a tour a spin around the block, and that was enough to realise that I didn't have the hand strength to pull that clutch in for oh, any longer. Man. I was so. addicted. Like it is the best 
that thing is awesome. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, absolute kudos to him for the last five years or whatever. Yeah. And I know he, he hates being mentioned on this, so I don't want to talk about him too Good. long. But mate, that thing, yeah, kudos to him for riding that thing around the yeah. track for so long. And that's that's probably like leads into the type of people that we like to be involved with at the yep. event, you know, because he is a event sponsor mm. and he builds like the most ridiculous bike and gets out there and rides it himself. So that's yep. like the, the type of thing, like that's a dream result for us that yep. if we can have people like that involved and, and supporting it, that's, you know, because seeing him get around on that thing is just wild, especially now that I've ridden it yeah. um, and realised like, yeah, the, the big, big respect there for sure. Oh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't survive on that thing. I would be in the, in the yeah, like, for sure. Like I've always wanted to ride it. Today was day one. Yeah. And I don't want to ride that at Dust Hustle. So no, there's no way I'd ride that thing on the dirt. What did you ride today? I rode the uh, the new twenty twenty soft tail. Um yeah. I forget exactly which model it was, but it was one of the new soft tails. Yep. Um I think it was the might have been the slim. Um Softail mm. Slim. So we had an eventful day. We had we had a cyclist decide to pedal up the hill and Poor guy lost it, derailed his chain halfway up the hill. Yeah, he had about 200 cars behind him already <laughs> and the pressure was really mounting and, yeah. and uh, I don't know about you but I was starting to see red and then just <laughs> at a crucial point in time, yeah. he decided to throw his chain off the chain ring and just stop everyone to a dead stop yeah. before the first car went around him. Oh, so, one of the best mountain roads in a glorious day. Yeah, it was perfect place to yeah. do it. So then, everyone in that lineup is pro cyclists. Yeah, for sure. Of, yeah, for sure. Yeah, There's like a hundred Shane Warns down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, uh, then I got ditched on the neutral race. So I'm a big fan. Yeah. All my sports bike mates, we've always done it at the same spot as the neutral race there. Yeah. And um, just technique. You just beat me, mate. Yeah. So uh, absolutely chopped you on that. That's yep. I don't win races ever. Really. Well, it's distance over speed. Yeah, you gave me the hot tip yeah. and uh, I got there. In the end, I used a sneaky tactic. I don't know if I should share it. No, don't share it because I'm going to do it with another guest at oh, some point. Oh, good, okay. So. And it wasn't shifting into gear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, managed to win that one. So I'm stoked to win the inaugural, uh, to be the inaugural title holder it is. there. Yeah, inaugural mm. title holder. So mm. yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to get up and get some more practice up there. Yeah. Did you enjoy the ride though? Uh, I did enjoy the ride. That... Um, New, I was actually pretty keen to um, worked out well to ride that new Harley because right. um, it being that soft tail frame base that yep. they have developed um, for a lot of their new models, I was sort of keen to see what it was like and that's yep. sort of the most stripped down version of it, I guess, mm. so the most sort of raw and basic version of it. Um, so I was really keen to see that how that felt and how that rode and it was super easy and that's probably really the Ella Speed, you know, custom bike side of things yeah, to like yep. see what it felt like. Um, what it was like, but also from a marketing perspective, because like they're going through one of the Harley Davidson worldwide are going through one of the biggest brand redevelopments ever. For sure, like they'll probably do case studies on this period of time for Harley Davidson in the future for marketing yep. people, and you know whether it works out good or bad. But um, you know, like we rode a Dyna, and you know when they killed off that mm. model a few years ago and rolled all those sort of bikes into that soft tail frame, it was kind of like okay, that that's you know, granted it was a monster Dyna we rode, mm. um, but yeah, I was interested to sort of see that progression and see you know try this new frame that they were. Um, this new platform, I guess, that they were basing a lot of stuff on. And they, ha you know, like you have to evolve. You got to evolve. Yeah. Um, like, you know, they've come so far with a with a client base. Um, 
you know, for years and years and years and getting people invested in the brand early and it's a lifelong thing whereas now mm. it's like you've got to attract new people and, and I'm all for it. Like I can't wait to see yeah. some of the new Harley models. I think it's a great exercise in developing a brand and mm. how do you market, you know, it's really tricky and I love looking at what they're doing because as someone who does marketing and, yep. and you know, sort of looks after part of the Ellispeed brand, um, they're doing it on a massive scale where they've got this really core following um, yet they're trying to bring new people into the fold without upsetting everyone else that's tough. That's already there. And, yep. and you know, they've had these core bikes which essentially have been the same style of bike for years and years and years yep. and now they're going to bring in electric and now they've got an adventure bike and yep. now they've got, you know, they're sort of bringing like Buell-type bikes back in and, and I think it's I think it's sick. Yeah, no, wait. definitely. It's it's going to be an interesting time. Chuck yep. that in with a new CEO as well. Yeah. Like it's, a, it's so much change, you yep. know, and change – change to brands is really difficult yeah that's right especially so, one with big history like that for sure um, yeah, iconic brand yeah. so yeah like for me on a like yeah we're a really small scale with with Ellispeed, yep. but it's still a it's still a brand that you want to try and continue to develop and evolve for sure. um and you know we're building um you know customizing bikes um and you know i think we, there's still lots to be learned from what the big yep. organizations with big money do yep mm. Ellispeed, what yeah. what what could it grow into, or what what's is there anything that it hasn't grown into, or what, what can it go to? Yeah, so Ellispeed is just yeah continues to evolve and yep. like um, yeah seven years on now I've been there and yeah like seen a lot of evolution in that yep. time um, and just like such an awesome um, place and such a good group of people to to be a part of there. Yep, um, Stephen Leo. Uh, uh, you know, super smart and, and really switched on in terms of the direction that they're heading um, and also the designers that they are. Um, so everyone that's there as well as Andy, um, Steve, Leo and Andy are all industrial designers. So that whole design side of thing is the real key part of Ellispeed, I guess. And that's why a lot of people will come to us for a bike because it has... Um, design background in the build um, that that is part of it and that's sort of mm. a really key difference for us in terms of any other custom shop so they're all industrial designers yeah yep in in the you know apart from obviously the you know Marshall that does some fab yep. um, every now and then as well uh, well part-time fab I guess um, and but then otherwise Stephen Leo like all of us do some hours in the workshop yeah um, obviously my time in the workshop is limited to very rudimentary task because I'm <laughs> I'm a little desk jockey uh, with my little office hands, yeah. as as you <laughs> my, get told. My secretary arms. Yeah, secretary <laughs> chicken wings. Um, so yeah, all of us do some time in the workshop because small business, you know, yep. everyone's got to wear the hat. You know, yep. you've got to, you know, when things need to be done, everyone's yep. got to chip in. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna it continues to evolve, and and our core is is using that design background to yep. to build. Um, and to customize bikes for people. Mm. Uh, we don't do, do bikes to sell. They're all on commission. Um, and then at the same time, using that experience from building bikes to develop custom products that can make a custom job easy by turning a custom job into a bolt-on product that isn't available already from a massive manufacturer. Okay, so you're, um, you're manufacturing parts and everything out of that as well, aren't you? Yes, yeah. yes. So we do like we're, we're building on our own range of parts which continues to evolve as new yep. models come and go and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, where are we are where we are now because like 
yeah, Stephen Lee have had that foresight um, to be able to look to where they want to be and then just to continue churning because it's not a business where there's been like a big backer with millions of dollars that's just said, here's the cash, go ahead and do it because there's hundreds of products that, and bikes that we want to build right now and if we didn't have to rely on selling product or building bikes for other people, we'd do it mm. and there'd be some amazing stuff. Um, like I've got no doubt about that but as a small business, you got to you know, you got to sell something to make something, yeah. you know, and so just, just been on that grind, you know, and it's, we're, we're lucky that we've been able to get to where we are um, through, yeah, I think determination of people there and, and, you know, having a good crew that are willing to, you know, go the extra mile to, to make it happen. Mm. Um, so, and, and great clients who are, you know, will support a local business like that, mm. like, a, you know, people that want to genuinely see that type of business in Australia. Yeah. Um, and not just be like, you know, see all these cool bikes getting built in Europe or the US, um, but, you know, they can't go and visit a shop like that locally. Yeah. So I think people that are willing to support small business in their own backyard, yeah. um, that's awesome. But also at the end of the day, you've got to do good work mm. um, that, you know, it wouldn't be anything without the, the good work that you, the bikes that are built. How did you originally take it in? Like, did you like going there to work, did you, like say the platform, yep. say the social platform, mm. did you create all that yourself? Yes. H how to post. You got a very, there's a very stylistic approach obviously of how yep. it is. Did you put that all together? Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. And that's sort of something that um, I guess I was lucky because the brand was so small mm -hmm. when I started that you could sort of learn as you went. You know, whereas if I was jumping into Ellerspeed right now, it'd be like, whoa, you know, here's all this stuff you got to learn there. You know, we're sort of reasonably well established, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when you start off at the ground level, you're literally building it and trying it as the whole business is growing. So yeah. you can afford to make a few mistakes and evolve a few things there. So um, there was some mistakes at, through oh, the time? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. still. Like still, you know, you, I think as a... Um, any, any business, you will still be making mistakes, especially if you just can't throw cash at stuff. Yeah. Like you, we are just so careful with anything that we spend and if there's something that we can try for free, like we'll try it and, mm. you know, it might not work but you've got to try and use any avenue you can to whether that's marketing, whether that's developing parts, you know, there's there's some things you can't um, not spend money on yep. um, but... Yeah, you, you, you know, small business, you just try and save money wherever you can to keep going, mm. keep the doors open. Yeah, it's a it's a tough world. It is. Like it really is. So especially yeah. as, as you say, if you had an endless budget, oh. like uh, Arc, Arc Motorcycles, Keanu Reeves one. Oh, yeah. Yep. Arch, sorry. Yep. Yeah, same thing. Like they, they, they'd have their struggles as well. Mm. But, the, but like you look at the machinery, like I, I watch their I, – I really like their style. Yep. Uh, look at the machinery. I look what they're building, the tickets. Incredible. The, the the budget that must be there yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, so. and to to be able to build a bike that costs hundred grand. Yeah, to be able to front that cost straight away. Yeah, straight away, and then sit on that as an asset yep. until someone potentially buys it. Maybe. Like, yeah, like you, as a small business, you can't. You can't. Like do we'd it. love to do that. We would yeah. love to build a bike. You know, and that 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 is probably something that in the next few years we're working yep. towards, like a is, real feature sort of bike. Yep. Yeah, because Stephen Leo did that. In the, that's how they got started. Like mm -hmm. they just built two bikes as a industrial design side project, mm -hmm. and someone saw them and were like, "Can we put them in an art gallery?" And then they went in the art gallery, and someone saw them in the gallery and were like, "Can you build me a bike?" 
and then really that's how it started. Yeah, you know, so they just built two bikes that they wanted to build as yeah. two designers, and you know, no input, no worry about cost or anything. They just built them, yeah. um, and they still own those two bikes. They're mm-hmm. still in the shop, um, and yeah, it sort of grew from there. But literally, since those first two, Ellispeed hasn't done that really since mm. then. Like I, you know, sort of has, but hasn't really done anything that That's grand scale. again. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What's Ellispeed stand for? Uh, the short story is because I've been babbling so much already. Ella is like the girl, the beauty, and speed, even though it's spelt differently, is like speed and, and riding. Okay. Um, so it was literally bikes that looked amazing, were designed, and were aesthetically beautiful, yeah. but they have to be ridden. Like they have to run. Yeah, they're not just like, you know a bike that you build and it, it never doesn't have anything inside or it doesn't run or something like it has yep. to it, it has can't to be function. just an art piece it's got to move it's got to run like you've got to be able to register it like mm. you see a lot of bikes that don't have indicators or tail tidies or you know yep. mirrors or whatever like you, you've that's all that's that's all the stuff that when you know even when a factory designer designs a motorcycle they don't put anything of that on you see this concept you're like oh that's killer i'm definitely buying one of those take my money yeah pre-order yep. and then when it comes to production version it's got reflectors and lights and indicators and junk hanging off all over it mm. to get it to pass adrs and euro fours and all this other yep stuff which is safe and appropriate um but then you get that bike and then you do a custom build and you try and pair all that back to maybe what what you first seen what maybe a factory designer first saw what the client first saw when they saw it in their mind Mm -hmm. um or what they first saw and then with their own interpretation because every custom bike is a reflection of the person who who it's built for or who builds it um that's why i think they're so great because like if you're riding a bike, if you've even changed the indicators, like it says something about you because, you know, if someone says, oh, why'd you change the indicators? You, you tell them something like, oh, I didn't like this. This is something, you know, like it's it's a reflection mm. on who you are. Like if you go up and there's 10 people in a row with all factory bikes, you know, you can't tell all those people apart unless apart from, oh, they like to ride an adventure bike. But if, you know, the 11th person has got a custom bike, it's like, oh, this guy likes this. He likes that. He's He's got these type of tires. He's got this on. And as soon as you talk to them, they could probably tell you all the reasons why they mm. why they built that bike, why they did they did, you know, where they saw this, that or the other. And it's sort of straight away you've got this, you know, insight into who they are as a motorcycle enthusiast, who they are as a rider, mm. um, which, which I think is really cool. It's a really nice like insight into... Um, sort into, of their brain into people the yeah. into, yep. into motorbike riders yeah that makes sense I've never actually really thought of it too much like that yeah really well that, that's I guess the that's the um, the custom um, that's like a reflection of of maybe why people do custom stuff but for aesthetic and performance reasons if yep. you come from a racing background a lot of the custom stuff there is purely for speed just one reason yeah. so if you see a custom race bike you know that anything on there is just because this person wants to go really yeah. fast. Yeah, there's drilled holes in this. Or yeah. There's, there's yeah. a reason for it. Yeah, you know? all right, so. this person's lunatic. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's a nutter. So. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, if you see like a custom street bike, um, yeah, there might be go-fast bits on it, but there'll yeah. be other stuff on it as well, mm. which is down to personal preference or down to because they had an injury and they need, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, or because they saw something on Instagram and that looked sweet. Uh, <laughs> and you see that a lot yeah well so. I, I am a very visual person like yep. I yeah I, I I loved the look of a parallel twin motor yep. before I rode a bike with a parallel twin motor like That's... I'd never ridden an XS650 before I bought one yeah. do you like those TRXs 
Yeah. Yeah, I really like those. Yeah, I so like they're like a, what are they, a V? Parallel twin. Are they? Mm. TRX? Yeah, oh. 270 degree oh. crank. Yeah, okay. Um, yep, yep. Parallel 840-something CC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful motor. They sound amazing. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they sound like a V-twin. Yes. But yeah, parallel twin. Uh, they had them in the TDM as well, 850 was eventually. Oh, like. yeah. Yep. Yeah, pretty cool motor. Yeah. So good good uh, donor motor for other projects and that, yeah. that sort of thing. So. That's a big old parallel twin. It is, yeah. yeah. So might be one for you as the next the next. Yeah, phase. the evolution of my parallel twin ownership. Yeah. I want to put my journo hat on. Yeah, please I want do. to get really serious here. Okay. Do we have a date for another event? We have got yep. a postponed date for yep. DH10, which was QMP, mm-hmm. which I really want to make that happen because that's the big one zero, the big 10. Like yep. never thought we'd get there. So yep. that's postponed. Uh, DH11 is still set for the 10th of October. Um, so I don't know if that will happen on that date or we'll have to postpone that as well. But yep. I really, like all of us really want to run both. Yep. Like people look forward to them every year. We look forward to them every year. Yep. Um, we really want to run both. Whether it's like back-to-back weekends. Yeah, right. Who knows? Yep. Like if we can do something, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Like we'll make it happen. Like we changed... On, on Facebook, like we postponed all the DH10 stuff and on Facebook you can't postpone the date just to nothing. You just have to pick another date. Yeah, right. So Leo's like, just put it on Christmas Day because everyone will know that that's not going to happen and we can, just, we can just put it then for yep. the time being and tell people it's postponed, you know, and then we'll change it back to the up proper date. Yep. I was like, that's a great idea. So we put it on Christmas Day and all these people were like, <laughs> still coming, best Christmas ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the yeah. American people really yeah. were, nah, nah. Bringing the family. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to the family thing. I'm yeah. going to go dust hustle. Yeah, so I was like, oh, well, turkey lunch at dust hustle, wow. I guess. Yeah, imagine that. People are funny, eh? Uh, we'll get Ray to dress up as Santa Claus. I wonder if he'd be Probably up would. for that. He'd be keen for that, I reckon. Yeah, I don't know if we can afford to pay him to. Yeah, uh, command a fair fee. <laughs> so, okay, so. so there is dates there. There's dates like there. We're definitely... Don't want to. It's just a law thing, isn't it? Yeah, and and it's kind of like um, because we get over a hundred riders at each yep. event, and we get a, like a minimum of a thousand spectators at yep. QMP, and then over two thousand at North Brisbane. Yep. Um, it's like you know maybe we could get to a point where we could have it with enough riders, like we would be able to have all the riders there, yep. but we wouldn't be able to let anyone else in, and it's kind of like oh you know, so we just have to sort of look at the whether we could actually financially still do that without spectator mm. income i guess because yeah we still have to be able to cover the costs i guess at the end of the day so we, yep. we would love to do it we're just yep. going to try and whatever way we can cut it yep. you know it might be absolutely sweltering in the middle of summer but if everyone's keen then we will still try we'll and make it, it happen yeah cool what about uh how did you get involved in day in the dirt uh, so Day in the Dirt came about, um, we, we just got a call up because they the, the Day in the Dirt format in the US is that they have the big motocross track and then they have Hell on Wheels over there, which is like a vintage TT race oh, right. as part of it. And that's like the Day in the Dirt format. Yep. So when it came to Australia, they were like, okay, well, we can definitely do a big motocross thing. Um, we have no idea how to do like, you know, the, the rest of it, the little wild sidetrack thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they sort of looked around and, and found Dust Hustle and, and called us up and said, hey, you guys do this Dust Hustle thing. Have you heard of Down the Dirt as a part of it, you know? Um, so we we sort of were like, awesome, let's, um, you know, let's do – it's it's kind of like a mini – it's like a mini 
expose of Dust Hustle, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's a mini version of it because the track we get to use is tiny um, but we make it so that it's like tiny but awesome mm. um, and yeah, people absolutely love it um, because it's it's like something so different to to the rest of the event like that's a race that's like a race event but it's like the party race event so and we're kind of like a non-race event but we're kind of hopefully like the party non-race event so we sort of meet there so a whole lot of like motocrossers find out about dust hustle and a whole lot of people who go to dust hustle like the standard events awesome and you know we want to sort of watch more of these people who know what they're doing on the dirt um rip on motocross tracks so Ah, so yeah from a call up hey from a call up, yeah. yeah. So they just, yeah, it was sort of a, um, you know, and I think there was, it was sort of um, people knew what we were doing. Yep. Um, so that's how they were able to, you know, say, hey, look, you know, I don't know how conversations happen, but they happen and, and our sort of name got mentioned as some, you know, something that could fit yep. in and then and then got the call. So, yeah, we were stoked. Well, that track that you had there last year. Yeah. I, don't, I think I only rode the big track once. The rest of the time I spent... That. Yeah. Oh, mate, that was the best fun. Yeah, well, so, that's the thing. It was like we only had a small space, but you just got to make, make the most of it. Make the most of it. Um, yeah. And, you know, if the vibe is right, then it's perfect. People yeah, I think we'll enjoy it. It was three days, wouldn't it? Friday, three days. Friday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, so massive event. Huge event. Yeah. So, um, drags, obviously, the nighttime. And then yep. Saturday night, Speedway. Mini Speedway. Yep. Because they do that, that in the US as well. Was that your event? Uh, no, that, that, well, that's like it's part of Day in the Dirt. Right. The mini speedway. Yep. They always have that at the Day in the Dirt events in the States. Right. But um, so over here, that was the space, like it was the, the D8, the Dust Hustle mini speedway because mm. it was that was the best place for it. Yep. Um, and that was crazy. It was. It was loose. Like it was. It's, yeah. it's, it's, that's the thing. Like that's the thing that's so great about people who ride motorbikes. It's yep. like, here is this tiny circle. Yeah. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to make the most of this shit. Yeah. Like we're going to go absolutely berserk on this tiny circle you've provided for us. <laughs> it's because, like somebody's front yard. Yeah, because yeah. there's like, you know, a thousand people about to watch us. So I'm going to lay down this tiny circle. Yeah. And you they know? did. Everyone did. Oh, Anthony so West good. came out there. Do you remember Anthony West coming out? Was he the guy on that two-stroke? Yeah. He the, came out on a YZ250, I think. I think it was 125. It just he, he Yeah, I think he rode a couple of different things, uh, but he didn't ride all weekend, yeah. I don't think. I think he just put it out there for that. Yeah. And it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the guy's ridden MotoGP, so you just expect it anyway. You see it at the Dust Hustle oh. events when Gary McCoy comes out yeah. and stuff like that. It's yep. another level anyway. Yep. Chris Vermillion and stuff. But yeah, that yep. afternoon, like, yeah. I don't know, there's something about... The sun's going down. Yep. The moisture's rising. It's awesome, eh? <laughs> it's prime time. There's a few beers happening. It's prime time. Yeah, that was good. That, was, that was a fun event. Heckling you on. Oh, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of heckling. So, so that's, you, that's a great event. Yeah, yeah it is. Stoked to be part of. Our events have a slightly different vibe. Yep. Because there's no way we could pull something that big and that. It's a large scale, isn't it? Yeah, that's like next level, and it's good for us. We learn a lot from that. Do you um do you ever see that you could do a two day? Uh yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. sure. That'd be big though, wouldn't Never it? Never say. Never. Never. Yeah. Yep. We could do it. Just got to get day. through Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I feel like I have get too many gray hairs just from one day yeah let yeah. alone two days mm. but yeah like if we could if we could we would do it like yeah. you know if we if everyone doesn't break their bikes in the first day mm. and <laughs> get through saturday night get through saturday somewhere. night yeah yeah you'd be sweet friday night's the, the friday night fever that's 
isn't it, Pat? That's the it's real, real stinky one. That's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the, yeah. Especially when everyone's just catching up. Oh. So you catch up catching once up. a year or twice a year. And the excitement of the next day's riding. Yeah. You just get carried is, away. Yeah. So uh, last year you went out to Fink. Yes. This exactly this time last year. I was at Fink. Was right that your now, first time? Last year. It was my first time. Crazy. Yep. Um, incredible event. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's. Um, it, it, that whole trip started because we wanted to go to like do a big Australia trip, Amy and I. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so we did a big road trip. We did eight and a half thousand kilometers, um, did a whole bunch of stuff. And then when we were in um, the center of Australia, we lined it up to, to watch Fink as well. Um, two of my, um, I'm horrible with like cousins and uncle stuff. Amy always rips me about it, but uh, cousins husbands were just happened to be riding the event as well yep. i just call them my cousins that's easier oh yeah, yeah. like <laughs> but they're both legends and they're yep. both really good mates now um and they were riding it so it was like that worked out well that they were going to be out there they had yep. a whole crew of people going with them so we sort of tacked onto the back of that and, and met them all out there but uh think as a motorcycle enthusiast like even if you are not into dirt riding that is like the MotoGP in Australia of off-road racing. Like you have to go to that event. Mm. Like it is so sick. It's good. Hey? It is incredible. And go for the full three days, go to the night markets on the Thursday or whatever, the, you know, when all the stuff's lined up in town and all the locals get behind it, they just froth it. Everyone's so friendly out there. Um, and, and people put so much effort into it because it's once a year and they're really proud of it out there. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's an incredible event. Um, it's wild how when you get out there, how rough and you know the track is, and how grueling it would be to ride that event. Yeah. Um, but it's it's incredible. And, and the other thing I would say is that is like as someone who has run a few events, like I literally a few. Um, that is not an event now that you could start. I don't think. Like you couldn't say I'm going to go and start an event like Fink right now because it's ingrained in the culture. It'll stay. Yes. But you couldn't do it from the scratch. There's no way you could have an event like that. Why? It's just you get out there and you see how rough that track is and yeah. how much it is just like the Wild West once they get yeah. out of the start gates. It is just a tough event. Like yeah. anyone who rides that event is an absolute savage on a dirt bike, guys yeah. and girls. Um, they are incredible. Um, and it's so good to watch but like – it's just so wild. It's just, mm. and that's the great thing about it, you know. And that's why it's like such a special event for Australia, I think, because it's just a wild, good time. It's internationally renowned too. Yeah, like a, that's right. A sprint it's, as it race, you know. Yeah, it's, it's everybody knows of it. it. It's so unique in so many different parts yep. of it. And I'm like, I'm not a desert race fanatic whatsoever. Like, I love watching Dakar. I might watch a few highlights of US yep. desert races. Um, but now, like, think stuff, like, I'll follow that forever now, like, that yeah. I've been there. It's incredible. Wow. Like, and, yeah, the same thing. Like, you watch um, riders doing the think track from a helicopter or something, you're like, wow, they're flying. And then you, you go out there and stand on the side of the track and watch them go past and you just, like, Ridiculous. the appreciation is incredible. Yeah. That and you can... do you get to see, like, and this is really, uh, really vague, but mm. do you get to see much? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to see. It's yeah, yeah it's interesting because you think, oh, it's 230 kilometers of track, yeah. and once they go past, they're gone, and that's yes. it. Yeah. So, um, like, you get to see so much because they have like the scrutineering night, and it's it's that level of event where you can just walk through all the bikes and touch them, and 
yeah, the, nice. the vehicles it's you know it's so like open like that yep. um the prologue you can you see the start and finish there's like a stadium section of track where you can watch a section of that but because there's so many entrants you know you see the pros go and you see them but then there's just people coming in and people crashing and people coming in with flat tires and wrecked buggies and wow. all the rest of it so there's always something to see there and then you've got the down and back days you know you yep. go find your favorite part out in the track and you stand there and you just watch them haul past and they're coming for hours like there's so many of them yep you can move and go somewhere else further down the track and then set up there and so watch that. something the whole time something the whole time and then when there's no one on the track you've got everyone there that's supporting it just going absolutely ballistic in the town on the track at the fink end like just having because people party pretty hard too, they eh? party like really, really hard. hard yeah Sounds like you're awesome. out in the middle of the you're in the desert. desert. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? Had you been out there before? No, no. not to the race, but just nah. No. Special Never. place? Yeah. yeah. We went to Katajuta, uh, Uluru, and that was incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, just an amazing place and did a whole lot of stuff in, in Central Australia. And it's just like, yeah, we're we're in an amazing country. We're lucky to live here. So lucky. Yeah. Uh, there's And it, it actually, like a part of me was like, I need to go to Central Australia. This is going to sound like way deeper than anything I've ever said. <laughs> but I went overseas uh, last year and did a, actually did a motorbike trip in Peru. Um, I told everyone I was pre-running for the Dakar, but last I wasn't. Last year? Uh, year before last? Last year? Year before, year before last because I went to Fink last year. Yeah, right. Um, with some really great friends of Amy and I's. Shout out to Beck and Josh, legends. Yeah. Um, so sort of, Amy, Amy and you went? Amy and I went. So she, yeah. we both went and Amy went with her friend um, Beck and did a hiking tour. And yeah. I roped in a few of my mates, um, Burjo and, and Sam, who taught me to ride. Oh, yeah. yep. And we did this motorbike tour um, of Peru. And that was just before the next, the last Dakar in South America or whatever. Wow. So, um, yeah, we pretended like we were pre-running the Dakar route on our XR250s. How'd you just go? Um, slow, yeah. really slow. <laughs> um, didn't crash though. That's a good thing. That was good. Uh, but, yeah, went there, went to another country, went to Machu Picchu, which was incredible, wonder of the world, you know, man-made wonder of the world, and was standing there looking at this place and was like, this is freaking incredible. Mm. Like how did they build this so long ago? But when I was there, I was like, I've never even been to Katajuta. Mm. Like never been to Uluru and I've come so far around the world to come to this place and I actually was like, I was actually like ashamed of myself as an Australian. Yeah. I was like, Do you think that's I an need age to thing? go there. Do you think that's like, because you get a bit oh, oblivious to it as well. Like Definitely, um, yeah. Annie and I were talking about the other day, like we've, we've been to a few different places around the world yep. and I'm like, same thing, we haven't been there. And yep. it's like, you feel, you do, you feel guilty. You, you know? do. You're like, why yep. did I go all the way? Uh, probably at the moment, especially. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got all this space here. I, I want to see, I really want to see more of this, you know. Yep. So it's, it's like, it's our country, you know, yeah. like, and the, the, the people out there are amazing. Yeah. Like. So it was incredible. It was incredible, man. There's yep. some amazing history in Australia and you, mm. you don't realize until you get out there and, and see it. So what did you do? 8,000 Ks? Yeah. Eight and a half thousand Ks. That's a few. Yeah, in three weeks. Yeah, right. So it was not good. in the two hundred SX. No, in the Amarok. Yeah, good. Yeah, and, <laughs> um, yeah, it didn't do it in because you would have had it around the same time. I'm guessing it would have been sale time. Still had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Still had it. So I was going to take it, but I thought, no, nah, I'll, nah, I'll take that. You know, I thought, how good would it be? Just you know, frying a set of tires at the base of chucking a handbrake on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll show these bloody desert races a thing or two. Just yeah. screaming down the access road in the two hundred Saturday night drift. Yeah. <clears throat> 
just light them up in the night markets. For, See, no. for Australia, you got to do the two premium events, off-road and road last year. Did Fink and MotoGP in the one year. So I like my wife, Amy, yeah. is just the best ever. She's like, oh, I'm so lucky. So She's your first Fink so and your first MotoGP. First MotoGP In the well. same year. Same year. What was better? That's an excellent question. Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, I researched for hours for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are, um, they both, which I mentioned to you earlier on yeah. the ride, provided something really different. I almost think that Fink could have been better because it had so like the, the people out there, mm. you know, like it's like the people out there are incredible. Um, yeah. And they really love, like, that's their home event. It feels like a real Australian-owned event because it doesn't happen anywhere else. Yep. MotoGP was amazing from a different perspective, even though it's a, you know, it's on an Australian circuit and, you know, we went through the museum, it was designed and we, you know, all that is incredible history to that track as an Australian icon. Um, But it's kind of like this amazing big show that comes to town from other parts of the world. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I liked them for different things, but yeah, I think Fink is the de- that desert race, and I know I probably lean towards like I ride probably dirt bikes more than I ride yep. road bikes, apart from riding to work. So I probably like the off road stuff, and it's got cars as well. So there's a few things you know yep. influencing the decision. Um, but just a, both of them, just good events, amazing. Yeah. yeah, like must do both. Like yeah. we'll do both again. You know, as an, anyone that's into bikes or even motorsport in general, like yep. you will be stoked on both of them. Mm. Um, even if you're not into motorsport, like just cows, just that town, cows, just being out there, great town, great town, just yep. being there. Pino's Italian, amazing oh, place. It's been two years, <laughs> so we were supposed to go last year, and yep. I got, I think I got food poisoning or something. Oh, I had tickets and everything, I had everything it. set, and uh, yeah. Missed out, but yep. uh, next year is it gonna? Was was last year Rossi's last race though, or supposed to be? I'm a huge Rossi fan, wow. so like, yeah, because he was gonna be there this year, but yeah, not there's, to be, there's so. some rumors that he's signed another contract with Patronus. Oh, okay, on a separate like he's because his factory seat's gone for next yeah. year. That's that's set. Yeah, um, so maybe in a satellite team on a factory bike. Yeah, for 2021, and for for a fan like myself. I'd kick myself missing last year, um, and I've been I've been lucky enough to go to ten or twelve GPS. Yep. But yeah, it's still, I'd like to see his last one. Yeah, you know, that'd be I really amazing. would. So. Yeah. And and I didn't really understand. Like I watched a lot of like yep. I watch MotoGP on TV. I love it. Yep. Um, I didn't really understand. I didn't really grasp the whole Valentino Rossi fan base thing. And it's even not even that wild in Australia, yeah. but. Until I got there and like saw it, yeah. and I can tell you right now, I feel like one of the key things, yeah. like one of the key things that I identified, and this is what I'm going to look, Jack Miller, Jack Miller, you need to do this, Valentino Rossi. After whenever wherever I was standing on the track, after every practice session on the in lap, just doing wheelies everywhere. Yeah, everyone was frothing on it. Yeah, no one else was doing wheelies. I think Jack Miller might have done one or two, so he's mm. on the right. Track. He's on the right path. He's on the right path. Yeah. Aussie legend. For sure. Um, and he got on the podium, so that was incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rossi, just 
popping wheelies out every corner and just like waving to the crowd. And everyone was, I was like, is this why this guy's so popular? Like, obviously, he's won a lot, but he is yeah. just the people's champion. Like, everyone else was just riding the inlet, probably thinking about what they did or which, you know, which Spanish you boss is going to scream at them when they get in there because their data sucks. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah. I get, I, like, I like a wheelie. I like to see a wheelie. Yeah. <laughs> and when Rossi was doing it, I'm yeah. like, I'm on the bandwagon. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, sign me up. Get me my fluoro yellow VR. Yeah, get that shit on me. Get me my two hundred dollar t shirt, <laughs> yeah. sixty dollar cap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just go down to cows and buy one from last, like, last right? year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For hundred dollars and thirty five dollars. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, no, it's it, it is and uh, it is a bandwagon. Like it, it's it. The Rossi so. thing at that time was just yeah. a. You know, uh, a huge thing. Yeah. His day is sort of faded a bit now. Yeah. But the guy is 40, 41 or whatever. Like he's done everything in the sport. He's still competitive. Still up there. Still like a personality. Yep. Still copping shit from heaps of fans too. Still copping shit. Still, I don't understand that to be honest. He's Uh, done a lot for it. Yeah. And I just think for him, he has been able to pivot his riding style from an era where they weren't hanging off the bike. You know, you look at him riding against like, Max, Max Biaggi. Biaggi. Yep. His riding style. It's and then you look human. at him, same corner. Yep. How can you learn something professionally yep. and get to the pinnacle of it and then these guys come in and you have to change the whole way you ride and still be yep. at – like he still won championships in that different riding style. Yeah, it's it's incredible. That's, that's impressive. And the different areas of the bike. So he started on the 500 two-stroke. Yeah. yeah. Then the 990, yep. did that for a few years. Honda, then Yamaha, mm. then the 800. And then – Obviously, the back to, jeez, back to thousand now. I think it is back to that now. Yep. Like it is. He's yeah. Being able to without adapt. being the fanboy, and I am. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Like Mark Marquez at the moment has done the same thing as what he did at the, like Rossi did in the early two thousands. Yep. But same. The machinery hasn't changed as much. Not and as the much. riding style hasn't changed as much. Nah, it's it's a, and and I think that's with all sports too. We're at a yep. pinnacle of sport. Like mm. we're at the. Everything's just so well refined now. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where you go to from here. Well, know? they got to that point in in Jiro box when they made the KDX two hundred. So, so you, you know. love the KDX two hundred. <laughs> it's eh? like where do you go from there? <laughs> so you, did you do a, did you do a transmoto on that? I did a transmoto somehow. I got, I got talked into doing Connordale transmoto with all the moderns. Was that last year? Yep, on the vintage. I don't even have a vintage class. We were in the like open modern category. Wow. AKA like yeah. idiots. Uh, but that was excellent event. Like if you, yeah. that is that's like that perfect mix between, like that's a race that I'm not a racer, but I yep. would I would do that race for sure because it's like they've got that perfect mix. Like Transmoto events are so polished; they've been doing them so long now. Yep. Um, their team is so good at what they do that yeah they they get the vibe right, they get the race aspect of it right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was happy to get roped into that. So yeah, we did that on a full vintage team. Um, of bikes and they're all under 200cc and the biggest thing that surprised me about that event was people on modern bikes not just like blowing our doors off every single chance they got and like mm. cleaning us out of corners like they were surprisingly respectful it's pretty cool it was a real big surprise to me I thought yeah. I was like I'm going to get cleaned out yeah. heaps because I'm not riding fast like Jeff Ballard's got a KDX 200 that's how I know he's an absolute legend has he? yeah, yeah. that's a separate story how I know that <laughs> um, but uh, if I was Jeff Ballard riding and I could sort of match it with some, you know, middle rank person yeah. on a modern, you'd be fine. But yeah. I'm not Jeff Ballard riding KX200. No. Not many people are Jeff Ballard. No, that's true. <laughs> like, you know, you need the moustache and you need the talent, but not many people have either. Um, 
Yeah, so the, I think, and that is the vibe of the those events that yep. you know people were willing to like. There was a section of single they were willing, even though they were racing, and some of them yep. were right at the pointy end. They were willing to wait behind. I crashed in front of a dude, and he just sent a punch to my exhaust, and mm. like fell off. And I was like, and he wasn't cut about it, you know, like I literally caused him to crash. Yep, um, because I ate on a hill climb right in front of him. Yeah, right. And he was completely fine about it and carried on his way. And I was like. Props to you, man. Good event. Yeah. Have you had event. much to do with Robbie? Robbie Warden? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he's, makes the event. He's a legend. He, he's a legend. Like, I don't know how somebody can talk on a microphone. He's got some so good chat on him, Robbie. He does. <laughs> he's got some really good chat. So he came and rode Dust Hustle at Vadadaba. Oh, did back he? Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. came and rode that. So that's how we sort of knew the whole Dust Hustle um, the Dust Hustle yeah, right. sort of thing, I guess. And that's how we sort of met, I guess, and then have kept in touch since then. Awesome. He, he's going to be he's going to be one of our guests coming, oh, up, coming good. up pretty soon. So I can't wait to It's going to be interesting because, yeah, he uh, he makes those events for me. Yeah. Like just being yeah. on the microphone and just the way, I don't know, it just keeps it calm, yep. keeps a good flow and, uh, yep. yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, and I think like that, like if you've got someone like him that can – you know, get a set of vibe. Yeah, it permeates the event and makes it a big difference. Um, and when Robbie's on here, you can ask him about how he came up with the idea for the big transmodo sign and white letters, because I'm sure he told me he stole that idea from Dust Hustle. But oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> heard it here first. <laughs> so. That's about. That's probably the only thing he would take away from, from our Dust event. Hustle. Yeah, it was our flash white Hollywood sign. That that is an iconic uh, sign. Uh, so yeah. wow, that's yeah. So old Robbie, he's uh, yeah. yeah. Good We're going to get him on very, very soon. I look so forward to listening to that. Should be a good one. Yeah. KDX, when's it coming out of the shed? Uh, I've been giving it – I took it off the road over Christmas and did a bit of a refresh and lucky COVID happened because I was nowhere near finished. So I've just very like lucky COVID happened. <laughs> greased the bearings <laughs> yeah. and I rebuilt the suspension and um, and there was a big gold crack in the swing arm. And that's the thing I oh. really like about vintage um, enduro and vintage motorbikes yep. because I like to tinker and – um, it provides ample opportunity to do that. Um, so, yeah, you can do a bit of tinker. Plus, that level of bike is like more than I need. Like this is a 33, 34-year-old 200cc and that's about a good match for my ability. Yeah. Um, and if I don't ride the thing for six months, it's probably going to go up in value. Yeah. Whereas if, if I have a modern bike and I don't ride it for like 10 seconds, I am feeling guilty that it's yep. just devaluing like – you know, it's going out of fashion All quicker than my haircut, you know, like it's just <laughs> going downhill real quick. So that's the good thing about vintage bikes. Yeah. So, you know, they don't cost as much and the the people at vintage events are real friendly. Yep. Um, like I think a lot of people at vintage events are older and if they see young people come in, they're kind of, they're happy if you there for the vintage bikes like if you're a gun racer and you just blow in on someone's cr500 and roost mm. everyone's face and then never come back they'll never talk to you but if you go there and now that i've been to a few events yep. and they're like this guy's into it you know that's cool you know they're sort of mm. probably because i'm not beating anyone they're happy about that too yeah they don't like uh, that probably so. <laughs> but there's so many people there that i got to the first event at, my first ever vintage race was at conondale i managed half of the siding lap before i broke my bike Still had the best weekend ever. Like what, stayed what did you there. Break? Uh, I broke the the shifter return spring oh, inside yeah. the gearbox, so the yep. shifter was just yep. just stayed down. Mm. And a better rider probably could have done the whole race in second gear. Wasn't me. That was the event that Jeff Ballard was at with his KDX two hundred. Ended up winning his class with my front brake because his 
didn't work. I can't and believe he's got a green machine in the shed. There were two KDXs just bookending the field. He was at one end, I was at the other, and then part of my bike was on his bike and he won, so I'm essentially a winner. Yeah, yeah. You're part of the Jeff Ballard team. Yeah. Iconic yeah. iconic machine. Yeah, iconic I'm still rider. waiting for my mustache to come in the mail. Oh, that's a solid note, hey. <laughs> I love it. I can't um, I, I honestly didn't think he'd have a KDX two hundred. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Well it's the greatest trail bike ever built and he's probably the greatest trail rider, so Yeah. Well yeah. You know, the shoe fits, I guess. Yeah it does, doesn't it? Um you are a bit of a tinkerer. Do do you reckon you'd want to tinker on my ninety six CR two fifty that I've been procrastinating on for Oh, <laughs> I think you should definitely tinker on that. Like, nah, do you want to tinker? Well, it's not green. <laughs> nah. So well, it's, it's not nothing at the I'm, moment. I'm sort of Kawasaki and Yamaha tinkerer. Mm. Um, my wife Amy loves a Honda though. Really? She's a she's a big Roxon fan. Is she Patakota? I'm a big. Is she? No, she's not. Oh, I'm like, yeah, I know. I need to find myself a good powder coat. I've got one. You talk to me after this. Okay. I'll give you his details. Mm. Um, I think we should get that. And I think we should rope you into riding a dust hustle on it. Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah. It will. It'll happen. So, 96250. That's a, it's a weapon. That's a good it's machine. It's a good machine. So, yeah. That have some killer graphics for it too. I'm, I'm all about the graphics of that era. Definitely. Definitely. We've got... So. Um, We've got a pattern already been in the making. Oh, I like so that. So we got uh, got something happening with it, but mm. I don't know. It, it's been I've spoken to you about it for the good part of five years, probably now about building it. And I'll uh, start turning the screws on you then. I've got to have it. I've got to have it done. So yeah. it's it's getting to the point where it's sort of just uh, sitting there without the spark plug in it now. So there's air getting in the motor. Oh, good. So I need to actually get it happening. Yeah, air and moisture just getting in there getting for a good there. look around those yeah. piston rings. And Perfect for it. Just see if they can introduce into the bloody sleeve. Yeah, it'll be great for it. So so I've got to do it. It's just sitting there. It's 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 a project that's yeah. got to take place. But good. It's an e- the trouble is they're easy projects. Well, that it's just time and yeah. time and money, but yep. they're not hard projects really no. to complete. So, mm. what do you see for yourself coming up? What's your future hold? Um, I just want to, uh, yeah, keep pushing on with yep. obviously Ella Speed and Dust Hustle, um, both two amazing, you know, professional um, yep. things, um, which is which is really cool to be a part of, and just keep like great team at Ella Speed and and. And have met so many great people through Dust Hustle. Yep. Um, so just yeah, like we're still heading in really good directions in both of those areas. So just want to keep doing that and just keep, like, I think for me, like trying to yeah, probably ride more and ride more events. Mm. Um, and and I think it, and and probably like I said a few years ago, I started doing a few vintage enduro races and literally have been coming last um, or close to. Um, but I think that's like enjoying it because there's so many good events out there and I feel like not enough people do that because they're like, oh, I'm not going to win, I'm not going to do well, so they just don't do it. It's like just, you know, go to events because otherwise they're, they're not going to be yep. around like and or like, yeah. So probably, yeah, just enjoying doing some riding. I, I've been enjoying a lot of mountain biking lately um, and just doing stuff like that. Amy and I just bought a, bought a house at the end of last year, so... How's doing that? a bit of tinkering there. Like I've become surprisingly addicted to maintaining a lawn. Wow. Um, <laughs> never thought I'd do that. I was spraying for bugs in the dark the other night. Like, oh, you got lawn grubs? Who am I? Yeah, we had some. I think oh, they're dead crazy. now. Like, yeah. like I never knew what lawn grubs are. I never wanted to know. Yeah. Now like, I care about yeah. that. Yeah, like, they're out and about too. It's been a bad season for lawn grubs. Yeah. Like, a bit of trivia for you. <laughs> yes. It, apparently it has. Yeah, yeah, it has Just actually. when I start caring about lawn, worst season. Yeah, so yeah. Bunnings ran out of the stuff that kills oh. it. So this is probably a really entertaining listing for anyone so that's good. listening. A bit self-indulgent. We've got to that point. Mountain biking, how, how many Ks are you pumping out a week? Uh, so I was training. 
I am one of those people where if I've got something, yep. yeah, like if you ask me a question and I just don't answer it, I just go off in this spiel and then eventually like 25 it's minutes quite, later we get back to the actual good, answer. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, how you can have a three-hour podcast. I reckon <laughs> I'm doing like 30 cases a week. I don't know. Um, nah, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'm one of those people that if I sign up for something, yep. then I can commit to it. Like I've always had it running. Amy likes doing a bit of running, so I do some fun runs with her. If yep. we sign up for it, I'm like, I'll train for this shit. Yep. Um, Sign. I wanted to do, you know, I, I said I actually lived in Cairns for a year of my life when I was really young. Yep. And had a whole lot of family up there. And I know it's a mecca for mountain biking. Like there's some really good stuff up there. So I was like, what's a good excuse to go go up there? There's this four-day mountain bike race um, up there, reef to reef. Yep. So I was like, great. Roped in some friends to do that last year. Amy actually told me about it, best wife ever. She's like, you should go do this. I was like, you're amazing. That's awesome. Let's get married again. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> Just do it uh, each year. Yeah. Uh, well, she keeps coming up with the goods like that. You know, yeah. I'm going to keep it around. She's lucky too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she's yeah, yeah, not as lucky. But um, so sign up for Reef to Reef, and yeah. then yeah, start doing training because that's how I work. So like, if something's booked in. Like I was always doing a bit of mountain biking, yeah. but that was good to like. Go, okay, this is on. Let's start training. Roped in some mates, um, and then we just had this good crew. And now it's been cancelled, but we've got this good crew of people who are riding. So yeah. we're just still training still we're it. still just doing it like we're not going as ham but um we're still training so i'd probably try and do like two rides a week yeah, okay um yep. like one you know probably do like between 30 and 40 k's a week not much okay yeah right yep. yeah not like not a bloody regular not troy bayless at the moment it's pumping out <laughs> troy bayless is like a t1000 like he's, he's a terminator, terminator. Yeah. yeah like i wouldn't be surprised if one day like someone goes past me on a motorbike and his arm turns into <laughs> a big liquid metal thing and just pulls him back because he is an absolute weapon because didn't he, um, he i think he won reef to reef last year he, one of the classes he definitely would have won his class because he came like third or fourth overall, overall. i'm sure yeah. someone told me that and that was the um, event you were going to do yeah, mm. so I would have smoked him this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lucky Troy is surviving yeah, Lucky got year. canned. Yeah, lucky yeah. got canned. I'm coming for you next year, buddy. Um, no, yeah, I'll definitely be miles in. opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, yeah, my cousin Mike was like, definitely do not follow him on Strava because he will make you feel like the worst. Like yeah. he'll make you feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. So I don't, I, don't, like so I don't follow him nah. on Strava. So I'm not going to do it to myself. Have you got any King of Mountains at the moment? Um, probably on like a section where I left it on and drove home in the car or something. Yeah, cool. Nowhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at, like again, my mountain biking, I love it and I love to do it. Yep. Not amazing at it. Yeah, okay. Just enjoy it. Yeah. It's a good sport. It's, it's a great awesome sport. sport eh? so. It's a great sport and uh, I think a whole nother can of worms is e-mountain bikes, which Ooh, here we go. We, I don't even think we should get into no, that. No, you've, like, you've got to tell me now. Well, I'm, all, I'm for it. Okay. I'm for it. I think it's amazing. I think it's going to get a million people into mountain biking yeah. um, because if you're not crash hot, you can still shred with your mates yep. because you can, you know, if your mates are regular, yep. you know, Nino Scherter or Jared Graves, Australian legend, mm. Troy Brosnan, you can still ride with them. Yep. Um, not obviously on the downhill, but you can still keep up with them on the uphill and it'll just make it so much more accessible. And if you've got an hour during the week, you can go for a shred and pump out twice as many trails as you used yep. to do. Like if you don't have time to pull out your motorbike on the weekends, yep. you can throw this thing in the ute and probably drive half an hour to your local trails rather than a couple of hours to wherever you ride and just still get the trail time on something that bridges the gap between a bike and a motorbike. Definitely, um, It's going to be huge. I've ridden a couple. I'm so stoked on them. If I had the money, I'd have one already. Same here. Yeah. yeah. I, I love them. I, I got to ride Troy's 
Of course um, you did. Did you have a Ducati one? Did yeah, a Ducati? it's called a Thok, T-H-O-K. Yeah. I just want to pronounce that right. Good, yeah. yeah so it's a Thok MIG. Yeah. And um, so yeah, it's got... expensive and fast. Oh, mate, that was my first e-bike I got, oh, got on. Well, and yeah, I'm, where are you going to go from there? And I'm like, oh, I was just looking at taking a photo of this yeah. thing. He's like, he's he really open. You want to ride it? I'm like... Oh, I don't yes. know. And I was like, yeah, I do. And it was just, is it Morgan Park at the racetrack? Yeah. And I got on this thing and that just changed my like mountain bike life forever. Yeah. It's just incredible. So and I've ridden good. a few since then. Nothing will compare to that bike because it is the premium bike. Yeah. It's like KX200 yeah. mountain bikes. That's right. <laughs> it's the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, awesome things. And yeah. same deal if I weren't between six and 10 grand. Yeah. Um, I'd have one in the shed for sure. Yeah. But I think the the next few years the price point will come down. The battery packs will have to come down in price. So that's battery the, packs that's will come down, is. and yep. the the weight of them, like once they get once the majority of them yep. get under twenty kilos, like yep. real expensive ones are under that now. But yep. that'll just you know make that handling so much more so much different. But that will bring like mountain biking will see like a second phase of explosion. I reckon for when, sure when that happens, and it'll be great because then more you know effort will be put into trails and maintenance and building and places to yeah. ride and all that kind of stuff so between that and surfing and two major growing sports in the world yeah like it's the olympic thing for surfing is going to be huge for, yeah. for a big step yeah but mountain biking as well they're just they can't keep up and yeah. co- since covid hit oh can't buy mate, a bike anywhere you can't buy a bike the workshops like 99 bikes you can't get your bike in there I'm, I, I booked my bike in for a service yep. when reef to reef was still going ahead yep. i still haven't taken it in yet because you can't get in my booking's not for another week. Yeah. They're doing like... The event got cancelled like two weeks ago. My physio that did my... Like worked on my shoulder when I crashed mountain biking. Yeah. Her her, uh, her husband is a mechanic and he's doing 12 to 15 hour days yeah. just pumping out bikes. Who would have thought? Yeah. It's a different thing. Tell you what, it's going to be a wild secondhand market in about six months time. Well, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sort of like, shall <laughs> I bother getting my bike service yeah. or shall I just wait for some right. of these bargains that really pop up? Because yeah. there, there will be a few because everyone's bought it at a premium price too. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> they want something. When something's in demand, you always pay more usually for yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah, I think there's going to be some good ones around. So Hopefully a lot of them hang on to them, stay true, keep riding. I hope so. Yeah. It's a good sport. Yeah. Well, mate, where can we see you on social media? Uh, you can see me on my Instagram, at yep. uh, Hugh Tain, mm-hmm. What's Tain mean? That's my middle name. Oh, is it? Tain, yeah. Mm. yeah. I've often wondered that. So, yeah, you'll know mates from drifting because they call me Taino. Uh, right. Mates from non-drifting don't, so, mm. yeah. What is your happens. nickname? Uh, to non-drifting mates, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Tell me best. Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. We'll leave it at Hilarious. Man. So we've got Hugh Tain uh, for Instagram. Yep, and then get a, get amongst the, the LS feed and the, and the Dust Hustle yep. uh, handles as well and, and get amongst all that good stuff. Come awesome. down and see us, come to an event. Yeah. Just, you know, Support blow, local blow my doors off if you see me on the trails. Support local events. Support local events. Local, local shops. Brands, local yeah. Everything. Yeah, so um, sure. thanks so much for coming out on the ride today too. That was awesome. Ride was great. Uh, we got to see some different things. Um, yeah. Mr. Derailer. That was probably one of the funniest Mr. Derailer. Um, we I'd, didn't get to talk about how we're new members of the Wild Hogs, but we'll talk about that another day. Oh, mate. Actually, the thing is we've gone for two hours and 46 minutes. Yeah. Um, can we do it another time? Yeah, let's do it. Because yeah, there's Come so on. much, there's so much more I want to talk about, and you have got two people that talk a damn lot. Yeah, uh, we could go for hours, but we'll uh, just talk junk about something. Yeah. Let's stop it now because it's, okay. it's probably Saturday night when we walk out of here. Yeah, it's like when you go into the movies and you come out. It's yeah. night time. You feel like your whole life's just disappeared. Or the casino. 
Or that. That's like, <laughs> yeah, you can tell I'm not a gambler. <laughs> I'm nah. like the movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not a gambler either, uh, but there's been a few Christmas parties uh, that you rock up in the casino. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm here. And the next thing it's 5 a.m. you've got a kebab in your hand and yeah. you're like, what do I do this for? Where and am I? Uh, yeah. I've, just, I've just destroyed the rest of my week. That's and that's, right. And that's Friday and you've got to do, it, do the whole week after that. So yeah. That's, um, anyway, mate, Savage. thank you so much for thank your time. You. This has been great. And uh, if anyone gets this far, like I will... I owe you a beer if there's anyone a, makes it this far. There's a Dust this. Hustle poster coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you something. Like if there is the, There'll the, be someone the, that'll write. There are few people that get this deep. Oh, yeah. Um, I reckon 10 minutes. If that, You know what? <laughs> if someone's rebuilding a Suzuki, they'll definitely get this far because they things all the time and often. <laughs> so Suzuki owners will definitely get this far if and then they'll a, hear me badmouthing their brand. If there's an RM fan out there oh. or a JR80 fan. Yeah, they'll so. probably listen to this 10 times over. Probably. And each time they'll be cursing me at the end. Travis Pastrana. Yeah. Who'll be listening. <laughs> All right, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you mate. so much. Um, yeah, have a good week. You too. Cheers.